Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Welcome to the show. Phones are open if you want to join us here. Number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio with you tonight, we've got Ian. And Jay Noon. we got, of course, a lot to talk about with you, but you get to bring up whatever it is you want to discuss, should you wish to join us. Again, the number for you to do that is 603-283-6160. Uh, so, coming up, Jay, we're going to get into TikTok as a addictive drug, basically. We can talk about that. I think you had something to say, some study uh, that's, uh, that's come out on that. So that'll be coming up. Uh, also, the Wall Street Journal reporting on what they're calling a revolt brewing in the English heartlands over cash. Debbie Hicks yelled into a microphone in a town square on a recent Saturday, let's boycott the shops that won't take cash. Cool. Where are they? She says. A few in the 200 strong crowd murmured some names, a coffee shop, a bakery. She said, okay, we can do this. It's not too late. Some 200 years after textile workers smashed newfangled looms here during the first stirrings of the industrial revolution, other rebels are worried about a newer technology tap-and-go bank cards, and smartphone payment apps. Actual cash changes hands in only around 15% of transactions in the United Kingdom. And I wonder, I find myself wondering, what is the percentage in the United States? And state-by-state, state, which states are the most you know, cash-oriented states and which aren't? I went to uh, Tractor Supply uh, like a week ago to buy about, uh, 50, it was 1500 and fifty-two dollars or something worth of farm supplies, fencing equipment, mm. just a bunch of stuff I needed for you know spring and getting things done. And um, <clears throat> the, I gave the uh, girl the you know the money. I counted it all out. Actually, my daughter paid her uh, Cypress. She was in the in the wagon. And I gave I given Cypress the hundred dollar bills, and she's handed it to the <laughs> cashier. And and the cashier, um, <clears throat> she counts them all out, and she she's got them all, and she's looked at it and. And she has it all there and she like counts it again and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm nervous. I've never saw this much money before Whoa. or I've never handled this much money before is what she said. And she she goes, sometimes people, you know, spend like a lot of money, but uh, it's always on a card. And uh, so but and then when she typed it into the computer, <clears throat> she was like, probably, I don't know, in her early 20s. She typed in, the, you know, one, five, five, two or whatever it was, point, whatever. Oh, no, uh, it was, yeah, I gave her $1,550, which is a couple dollars shy of that, the total bill. And she wanted to make sure that I could verify that she put the correct thing into the, basically the, you know, it's not even a you know cash register anymore, but, you know, it's a keyboard and a computer screen. Right. And then it's a, you know, cashier's drawer. drawer underneath. Mm -hmm. And, um, oh, she had to call the manager. Um, she told the manager she was scared to have so much money in her drawer. I, I was wow, like. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I was kind of shocked. You know, she had a bunch of bunch of piercings and you know her hair was two different colors and mm -hmm. you know she was, had a bunch of tattoos too but i mean it's just you know a young uh, i don't know victim of you know public school or something i'm not really sure but she was like had no confidence like she was like clearly scared that i gave her so much money wow. and i, I it kind of shocked me a little bit probably thought you were a drug dealer or something like that <laughs> I, I, yeah maybe i don't know 
Uh, they say it's about 15% of transactions in the UK pushed out by the speed and convenience of using a card or phone. In parts of London, cash has become something akin to a prison currency like ramen noodles or cigarettes circulated among panhandlers or those on the margins of society. An unlikely coalition <laughs> warns that by giving up cash, people could be losing more than they bargained for. Banknote printers have pooled resources to fund academic studies to demonstrate how cash is an important piece of infrastructure. Simon Yule at Positive Money, a London nonprofit focusing on financial inclusion, says cash is inherently democratic. By going card only, bars and restaurants are trying to pull in what they see as the right kind of customer, usually younger and more affluent, he said. They're sending a signal about who's welcome and who's not. I'd love to comment on that just a little bit. Of course. So uh, we were out doing some court paperwork today and filed some stuff at the courthouse, had a babysitter, so my wife and I went on a date to the Red Arrow. Oh, I love Conquer. that Red Arrow. Twenty. Well, once upon a time, 24-hour diner, it is no longer since okay. COVID. Oh, okay. Sadly. Uh, well, I, I like that place because you can get, you know, the curd cheese in your omelet there because they serve uh, poutine, which is, you uh, know, okay. the Quebec, you know, French fries, gravy and cheese. I don't get that. But anyways, um, so one thing I, I, I think that's really rude to do to waitresses is people will like, you know, pay for their meal on a card and then they take the card and they add the waitress like a like I, I see some people just do like the whatever seven percent with a calculator. You know, like you know, put it right to the penny. Seven percent. You know, you know, whatever it is. That's you know. cheap, right? Or some people. And, Fifteen and, and, is your is kind of the standard, but twenty is what people uh, you know, then, who and, know the business typically give. Right, and then some people you know give like a more generous you know ten, fifteen, or twenty dollar yeah. tip you know on their card. Yeah, that and, hurts them. And and, and I kind of think that's like a hate crime against waitresses. Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I have cash in my wallet specifically to to leave as a tip. So and, and even like small businesses, I almost think is rude to swipe a card for small businesses because mm-hmm. like the little hardware store down the road, they got like you know guys trying to buy a thing for like three dollars, and they're like ah, we we got you have to spend at least five dollars, and the guys like. I'm not sure I got $5 on this card. I'm like, really? I'm thinking to myself. Mm. So uh, anyways, the cashier just lets them do it. But like, you know, because basically they now they lost money. They didn't even make a profit because of right. the finance charge on a card. But so what I tell the waitresses, I used to carry a little business card. I, I might have actually got the business cards off from the someone here. Gift cards, right? Well, uh, so yes, I did that. The mm-hmm. gift cards with Bitcoin cash. And then I would give them uh, uh, a um, cash tip and a Bitcoin cash tip card mm-hmm. uh but what one of the things that i had I used to have a business card it would basically say that you know i would tell the waitresses i don't tip i leave a gift right this is a gift for you it's not taxable because um you know yeah, the whatever used to have that yeah the, yeah so uh, i used to pass out those cards all the time but so i said that to the girl today i said uh hey by the way i just want to let you know i didn't leave you a tip i left you a gift and as soon as you say i didn't leave you a tip you could just sort of see like the expression oh, yeah. washes what? off your face but i said i left you a gift yeah. and her fra- face is brightened up <laughs> and and she goes i'm not going to feed the parasite taxation is theft and she i go she said that she said but i say this to like almost every waitress i i, I uh-huh. ever come in contact with and i go oh i, I and i hadn't been there in a while but and, had uh, you had her before? No. She said she didn't know who I was, but she said there's an, there, she goes, oh, no, there's an older fella. He comes in here and he tells me the same thing. Um, and uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. You got to love New Hampshire. Yeah. 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah it, 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 and she, um, yeah. she's like, and, and, yeah, and he's so sweet and always leaves a good, good gift. And uh, so, yeah, I thought that was cool. And, you know, but the thing is, too, is like, so these bars where it's like cash only, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if I was a waitress, I wouldn't want to work at that place. 
I mean, not cash, Wait, only, cash only. I'm sorry, card only. Card are there, only. Are, do those exist in New Hampshire? Well, Ca- not New Hampshire, but isn't that what they were just talking about in the article? That these this like, is the UK, right? But I'm just yeah. saying, anywhere in the world, I would imagine if it's an establishment that's like not going to take cash, mm-hmm. and as a server in that establishment, um, I would think I would rather work in an establishment. You're at a disadvantage, right? I would right. Wor- rather work in an establishment that where their people are paying cash because then I can I can re- receive that gift incentive essentially, right. and, and just. Yeah, you can just somebody's put cash paying, in paying cash, they're more likely to tip in cash. Right. right? I have done, uh, paid a bill with a card, but then tipped in cash because I always tip in cash. Yep. I don't want to, like you're saying, like it's a hate crime to the, the person yep. to not give them cash. You reminded me of another uh, story, another New Hampshire story. Bonnie and I were out at, uh, we were in Manchester, it was during the Liberty Forum this year, and I had permission to be out from my probation to go to Manchester to do that. That was nice. Uh, that event. And uh, we went to a Thai restaurant on the recommendation of, actually, my probation officer. <laughs> and it <laughs> turned out to be pretty good. Um, and we're there, and uh, you know, I'm, I do what I normally do, which is I like to ask the waiter. It puts cash down for the tip on the, on the table, and I, I get the gold back out. And I always ask the person, before I give a gold back away, which for listeners that don't know, it's an actual piece of gold. It's one one-thousandth of an ounce of gold. Very, very beautiful. You should look it up if you're not familiar with it. But I always like to ask first, because I don't want to just give somebody something if they don't value right. it. So I say, hey, do you like gold? So they go, oh, gold back. He, so he knew what it was that I was going to give him. I said, oh, you've already see, you've seen this before. He says, oh, yeah, one of our other customers came in and gave me one last week or whatever it was. So it's like somebody had already beaten me to it, which is just a nice like New Hampshire story because there's enough free staters and liberty people out there going to businesses doing the same thing that you're doing right like getting the word out about these uh, independent currencies to people so i didn't even have to like you know pave the way somebody had already been there they'd already done it for me and so yeah he was already into it so i left him the gold back and he was really happy about it so interesting thing i uh two days ago i get a phone call from a farmer up here in uh, new hampshire and mm-hmm. i've been dealing with him for like the past three years i bought hay off him i bought uh some uh, cows off him and some equipment. And he's like, Hey, I'm going to make hay next week. And he goes, you're the first guy I'm calling. He goes, would you trade me? Or he goes, you want to pay me in those gold things that you showed me. Mm. And, uh, I go, you mean the gold back? He goes, yeah. He goes, he goes, I got one here in my wallet. He goes, the first day I met you, he goes, you gave, you just gave it to me. You go here, check this out. He goes, I found it the other day and I had to explain to my grandson what it was. Mm. He says, and we're, and uh, he goes, I'm going to bale some hay next week. And he goes, would you give me one gold back per bale of hay? Said, Absolutely. Okay. And he wants me to pay him all in gold backs for like Sweet. a couple hundred bales of hay. I'm going to get a little trailer load of hay from him. That's awesome. Yeah. And he brought it up. Yeah, he totally. Yeah. Well, he yeah. said basically, he all he says usually the first phone call, whoever he calls just buys all of his hay that he makes. He only I makes see. a couple, you know, he does like a eight acre field or a 12 acre field. Okay. Not big. And... um so anyways, uh, and, and it's far away from his farm, so he doesn't want to haul it all back home. And, mm-hmm. and if we just pick it up the field, it works out well for him. And uh, he just he just really liked the gold. Mm-hmm. And he's just like... He's and thinking about it. And he's like 72 <laughs> years old. He's got like 14 grandkids. Yep. And, and, and well, he's also the same guy I've been telling him to tell his... Tell his uh, <laughs> I told him to tell his kids that he's cutting them all out of the will 
and giving a whole farm and everything to the church unless he gets his unless his kids get the grandkids off the internet devices because the Ooh. internet devices are destroying the kids. And he's like, he's like, you're right. All all, all the kids <laughs> are doing is he goes, they're getting their thumbs fat. He's like, right. I, I, he, he goes, they're like little crackheads having withdrawals when their mothers dump them off here to go stack hay because mm. I won't allow the phones on yeah. my farm. Oh yeah, can't stack hay if you're on so, your phone. So, but he's like, and I've been talking. He don't want to hear anything about Bitcoin because it requires mm-hmm. a phone. This guy hates the internet so wow. much because he he just sees what it's doing to his yeah, to his sure. to, to his DNA. You know, wow, it's a good story. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll get into the TikTok and the internet thing here in a little bit. But uh, talking about cash, apparently there's a group of people out there that are, you know, they're trying to gather some economic weight together and let these businesses know, hey, you, you know, you're missing out on our business. We're not going to bring you business. We're not coming to your place if you don't take cash. And uh, they point out here that the card-only bars and restaurants are trying to pull in a certain type of customer, people that are more affluent. And, you know, if that's what they want to do, obviously it's their business. They can run it however they want. I, I get that. You know, you don't want the riffraff coming into your fancy bar. And if, if the riffraff can't pay in their fancy card, then they're not welcome. So, I mean, I, I understand that, that that's what they want to do. Those but aren't the kind of people I want to hang out with, so I wouldn't go to that place. But it's weird <laughs> when uh, when you see it done on like a corporate level, then it starts to seem like more like, okay, this is a this is a plan. This is part of some sort of overarching big corporate plot to get rid of cash. Like Chipotle, I believe, has done this now. I don't know if it's still true. But I know that during the right. uh, the quote unquote pandemic, they went no inside dining and card only. You could pay online, and that was it. You could not order there. You had to order online, and then just come and pick it up. And I don't know if they've switched back to uh, accepting cash. I've heard that they don't. And so, like there, it's like, oh, c- come on, Chipotle. I mean, that's not like fancy dining. It's not like there's an exclusive clientele. Used to be if you could just walk off the street, get yourself a burrito. And I'm not a huge fan of them or anything like that, but that was what came to mind. That's the one yep. that that's the one around here. I had an here experience with them uh, a couple of years of. ago in Manchester, and what ended up happening is I go order these two. Um, they basically come out to like twenty four dollars, mm-hmm. and um, they're like the guy's like, dude, I can't take cash. I I'll literally get fired. Is this pre COVID? No, or? this was during COVID. Okay. This was during a thing, and he's like, didn't you see the sign? I'm like, no, no. I told him I was looking at my phone when I walked in, and uh, so and, and and I did see the sign, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So um, they had a tip jar that was like over off to the side. So he's like, "Oh, that's he's interesting." Like, I'm just gonna have to throw these out, and he goes, "Have a good day," and he just gives them to me. Whoa! So I go over to the tip jar and I drop twenty five bucks in it, and um, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Thanks, bro," and I just that's left, an you awesome know? story. <laughs> So they say here people around the world have been embarrassed at times when hair salons, pubs, or salad chains asked for plastic and they had only paper. Some are standing up for paper money and have no plans to fold. In the U.S., Stephen Ferry carries his wallet in addition to cash, a supply, or in his wallet, a supply of small cards created by one of a growing number of pro-cash groups that tout the benefits of physical money. He hands them to cashiers and leaves them on checks at restaurants. So he's got a little card, too. Uh, he says uh, in the card in part reads, quote, I paid cash today for a reason. And then a little smiley face. Using cash can be inconvenient, but what if it's worth it? 
Ferry, who lives in eastern Tennessee and is semi-retired, isn't opposed to credit cards, but makes a point of paying with cash as often as he can. He and his wife bring hundreds of dollars on twice-monthly errand runs into town. They said they had a couple of G's on them when they recently bought an iPad and a new phone. He said he's never been particularly worried someone would try to steal the cash he carries, though he does keep pepper spray on his keychain. For him and some others, this isn't just an attachment to the old ways. In the UK, the lady who they spoke with earlier, Hicks, who cuts a glamorous figure in her black leather jacket, is among those who go further. She and her supporters say groups such as the World Economic Forum use the COVID pandemic to discourage people from using physical money. And they absolutely did. That was a huge rollout opportunity to try to shift businesses over to all quote-unquote touchless or card-based right. payments. I'm sure this, there, there's incentives for these um, businesses. I'm sure the banks are incentivized by like, so somehow government or the World Economic Forum or Bill Gates or some foundation, they they incentivize all, all kinds of activity, whether it's, you know, vaccines, whether yeah. it's using this kind of money, whether it's like, you know, partial, like partial zero emission car is such garbage. You, you know, for example, just to digress a little bit, like you, you, you if you, you live here, and you're sitting out in your porch. How many cars stop at this stop sign? The engine shuts off, and then right, right as they pull away, the engine starts, starts up. up. That's what makes it partial zero emission, uh, mm-hmm. from what I understand. I actually could be wrong about that. Was what a mechanic told me, and uh, so he, he was saying something about like a lot of these cars that do this. If people drive in a city, they're Uber running them. The, the engines are just they're not even getting uh, seventy, eighty thousand miles out of the engines because they're constantly starting up and shutting off, starting up and shutting mm-hmm. off, which is like like a bad thing to do. But back to these, uh, you know, like, so, for example, these restaurants are going to go cashless. I'm sure there's, like, some kind of, like, you know, percentage of your ESG score might go up with the on, on the financial side, like, you, you know, because they want everybody to have, like, a What's social, the ESG stand for? Uh, I see it all en- over. And I never environmental remember. Social Governance Score. Uh, yeah, so that like, probably is something newer. I know years ago we reported on Visa was incentivizing businesses. They were saying, hey, if you go all cashless, we'll right. give you $10,000 or yep. whatever. But it, was, it wasn't every business. It was you'd be entered into a contest, and then like a few businesses would get $10,000 uh, or something like that. A few of them. So, okay, yeah. So, so yeah, they weren't doing right. like a big giveaway. It was just, mm-hmm. But that was one way they were trying to incentivize. But so these banks from on up are incentivizing. So the ba- banks incentivizing, you know, the the chain of um you know how, how valuable is it if you have a chain of um say uh chipotles i don't know was there a few thousand of those that's got to be yeah. yeah i don't know it's a huge chain so so if you're whoever you're doing your banking with is going to be like hey um you know if, if you agree to only go cash mm. and then and so the bank right. probably thinks of it they could I mean, lower the yet. rates they could they could say hey we're you're we're charging you 2.9 percent every transaction but if you go only cash we'll drop it to 2.8 percent or 2.7 uh, or they something could go like zero that. because you because what's worth all the money they could even give them a kickback we're going to give you 0.5 percent back we're going to give you 0.1 percent back because what's worth all the money is all of the data uh that is basically harvest that is available for harvest by that financial transaction so now you want to like you really want to get uh you can you imagine if adolf hitler had this technology and it was Mm -hmm. illegal to hide jews and all the algorithm would have to do is say hey there is the this you know our census report says that there's a family of six that lives in that house but that family of six is consuming more like a family of nine of food. Mm-hmm. So we need to go look, you know, look there. And, uh, oh, th- these people bought the ingredients to, you know, make a bread that, you know, is um, uh, whatever that bread is that when people celebrate certain Jewish holidays, for example. Or they bought, you know, this kind of um, stuff and they're going to make mm-hmm. a, you know, some kind of religious related, just plug in religion that's illegal, um, you know, kind of thing. So so the metadata is far more valuable 
probably than I mean, the actual I see what financial you're saying, transaction. But I, uh, I mean, banks, that's how they make their money, right? Sure. Like they're not going to just give you now no they have, fees. For, now they have data to sell. That. I mean, that's how Google makes its money, right? Getting data. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but you're giving banks too much credit. I mean, banks aren't like the most um, with it companies. They're old, right? They're slow. They're kind of stupid. Well, the problem is, is the banks are all going to be gobbled up probably by big tech one way or another. And you I think could, so? Yeah, I just think so. Or or, or vice versa. The banks are going to gobble up big tech, but they're basically going to be all in bed together mm-hmm. um, as this technology grows because... Um, well, so now big tech knows that the bank, you know, knows that they can probably get this data. I believe the data is really valuable. And also it's a huge incentive. If you could give an incentive of, you know, a half a percent back to the, um, to, to the vendor to go, to guarantee, go cashless, for example. Mm -hmm. Um, so that, that would be a huge incentive and, uh, they just want to track, trace and database. Everybody's really the bottom line. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, I think they can accomplish those things by giving them a discount, Getting yep. them on board, and then they get the they get the money and they get the data. They would get both in that case. Uh, so they're talking about the World Economic Forum as their motivation. These are the people that are advocating for uh, cash. Do people continue using cash? They said that during the pandemic, uh, World Economic Forum discouraged people from using physical money, and they called lockdowns a dummy run for establishing world government. And I think they're probably right about that. We mm-hmm. talked about that here on Free Talk Live during that time. Uh, Hicks was fined for a public order offense last year after filming in a hospital to prove that the pandemic, she said, was faked. She denied the charge, saying she was exercising her right to freedom of expression. Others agreed with her mission. Piers Corbin, one of the leaders in the uh, group, said the whole digital system can't work if we still use cash. And that much is true unless they decide to take the cash away. I mean, that is ultimately what the, if there is a plan to decashify society, and I think there probably is, it's just been a very slow moving plan, you will likely see them at some point start putting more restrictions on cash. Now, it's not something they're going to be able to do overnight, uh, but if you look at uh, other places like in Nigeria, for instance, we reported late last year, I think it was, that there were uh, major protests going on, it might have been earlier this year, anyway, not long ago, there were actual like thousands of people in the streets in cities in Nigeria smashing bank buildings to bits. Right, right. Uh, destroying ATM machines, destroying bank frontages, signage, things like that. And they were mad because the Nigerian government was demanding that everybody turn in their old Nigerian Naira, which is the government currency there. And they weren't going to get rid of the Naira, supposedly. They were going to exchange them for newer designs of the Naira. So I'm glad the people didn't just take it. Oh, no, they were pissed Yeah, that's great. Uh, about that. The number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. But the problem was the banks weren't given enough Naira to make the exchanges, so there wasn't enough of the new currency to replace the old currency, and people were literally, they couldn't use their old currency anymore past a certain date. It was a mess. More coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it's undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. 
Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Free Talk Live, and you can join the show here. You can bring up anything you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Ian and Jay in the studio. We're talking about uh, mainstream media covering the... Hmm, what do we want to call these people? Um... Cashists, people cashists, who, the, the anti-cash people. They're pro-cash. Well, I'm talking oh, about the, the people that are pro-cash. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what they're writing the story about: is people who are getting out there encouraging others to continue using cash when the corporate world, the World Economic Forum, the government types, the bankers of the world want everybody to be tracked. We know they're pushing the idea of the central bank digital currency, a.k.a. the CBDC. That's something that some places are already uh, seeing coming out. The United States hasn't approved it yet, but they are in the experimentation phase with the idea of the CBDC, which, of course, would give the government total uh, control over everybody's money or the government currency. I heard a nice theory on this uh, thing possibly collapsing. Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, the the guy to give credit to was Howie Carr. I was listening to him on on, on a drive oh, over, God. and um, <clears throat> he's all right. And so I, 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 you know, he's I, just I, a Republican. Sure, sure, he is, but he's very much against this, you know, CBDC thing. Yeah, until the Republicans and, are the ones who implement it, then he'll be fine with it. And uh, but uh, but actually, now that I'm think now that I'm talking about it, I believe it was a commercial for like investing in like a gold something. But anyways, mm. they were talking about they had he was reading some report how some like. You know, internet security blockchain expert was saying how the Fed coin, the like the blockchain technology is so weak because first off, because it's centralized and they would only have to uh, compromise a couple of these few centralized servers that would like run this uh, platform. And he was basically saying how it would be like a very easy for like the computers to like hijack it and steal everybody's money. And like get in there and do that. I just Who's thought, com- like, what are you talking about hackers or something? Hackers or? going in and stealing because they would be able to. Because uh, once the whole system on a CBDC, yes, FedCoin. He was talking about CBDC. No, like, or, no, it would be just centrally uh, controlled. So I mean, even if the hackers could get in there and move money from one account to another, then the central manager could just come in and undo it. And, well, basically, what he was saying is that it would be what this report was saying is it would be very easy to hack. Now you're saying it probably it, would be because it's a government system, so and, it'll probably be easy to hack. And yeah. and and I just think it would be hilarious if like all the people who like you know I just aren't learning how to like you know trade outside the system that don't care that just go and do their slave jobs and they just pay their taxes and you know just sit home and watch TV and mm-hmm. you know not really pay attention to what's going on. You know, it's mostly like the parasite class people. So basically all these people who essentially, you know, work in government and like probably couldn't get a job anywhere else um, unless government existed. <laughs> mm-hmm. If like if like everybody Joe Biden. Yeah, pretty much like everybody that works in Ron government, DeSantis. maybe except for like the guys who like pave the road and plow, you know, because yeah. uh, I still want the roads uh, plowed Me too. Uh, in the wintertime. And if and if the government can't pay them, well, I'm going to I'm going to go. Yeah, somebody will. 
Uh, and, and, They're going to get paid. I'm sure me and all my neighbors would love yeah. to give them, you know, 1% of our annual property tax bill that we used to pay, to, you know, uh, to make, and these guys would be getting paid better. Uh, but when it all, you know, if it all collapsed because it was a centrally controlled financial system, um, and I could see that CBDC sensor is absolutely unlimited, you know, amount of money could be pumped into it from what I understand. Sure. It could just keep on just generating this stuff. Um, well, it can do that today. It, uh, that doesn't change anything. Uh, I, I, but I think it could hyperinflate. But if it just got to the point to where it was just like got hacked and destroyed and everybody and all the like these people, you know, all the government people basically were very reliable on this system. And a lot of people don't work in government. Mm-hmm. Um I think yeah, the would, corporations are going to be on board. I, I, yeah, I think like a massive collapse like that, which is, is just going to do society so good because we, you know, bad times make for strong men. And sure. I, I could tell you right now, there's less strong men than there's ever been. No uh, doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I, no, I think you're right that uh, since it will be a centrally controlled government system, it will be subject to hacking. Very no vulnerable doubt, from what I There's no understand. doubt about that. I don't think that it will be, uh, you know, the disruptive. end of the world. It'll be disruptive as hell, but it won't be the end of that system. They won't be able to, like, if you think you're going to hack the central bank digital currency system and get something out of it besides destroying it, I think you're wrong about that. Because if if all your goal is is to take money out of the central bank's account and put it into your own this account, this kind of sound like what they were talking. They're going to undo right. that, and like as soon as they detect that something's gone wrong, they're just going to oh, hit the undo button, and then you know, every, and- hit the reset button go back to yesterday or whatever that's no problem it's just a central database but if their goal is to actually take down the central bank digital currency then they could do that and it may be out for you know a day could be a week could be a month who knows who knows what kind of damage could be done to that and then the question becomes what do the people do if they've gotten rid of cash at that point because that's the long-term plan is introduce the central bank digital currency Get people incentivized to use it. You don't want to use the the stick if you can use the carrot, right? So they, I mean, the government's certainly fine with using the stick, but they know that it's better if they can get people to agree to mm-hmm. use the central bank digital currency. So they're going to give away, do giveaways, right? They're going to have uh, welfare payments are going to be on the yep. CBDC, right? Tax returns, yep. uh, refunds or whatever. Those are going to be on CBDC. Universal basic income. If when, when and if that comes out, yep. that'll be a CBDC thing. And so the more people that can get hooked on the system, they'll get the corporations to accept it. So you can go and you can spend it at Walmart right. or whatever. Yeah. And then for most people, most of the time, they'll be getting their direct deposit deposits to the cbdc etc etc and so at some point they'll try to pull away the cash right and if the cash is gone and then somebody hacks the cbdc after that what does that look like so as a producer of food meat vegetables uh as someone who has uh a lot of uh essentially um like um <clears throat> i i i have a Skills I can get paid very well for, um, heavy equipment repair, mm-hmm. all the work I, I, you know, I'm able to do. Um, <clears throat> I look at this as I'm not accepting CBDCs. Well, first off, I probably couldn't because you know I'm not gonna, you know, go through. You need all a social this. security number. You'll probably. have to be a, a man of the system. And, and, right, and I have no interest in any of that stuff. I've never had a bank account, nor do I even want one. Right, and. Um, and if, but the thing is, yeah, this is, is worse than a bank account. This right, is, right. This is even more evil. Uh, well, what this is going to do is 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 going to really drive the black market, especially uh, here in New Hampshire, because it already thrives. Um, essentially, uh, you know, just there's like I could, and, and 
you know, probably the, the one thing that would be hard to do is like maybe pay some utilities, but you know, mm-hmm. the utilities are going to find a way to get paid because there's a whole bunch of people that are going to, you know, I believe that aren't going to want to pay them. But even if, you know, I go do some work for some guys and I'll be like, Hey, pay my electric bill. And they're like, yeah, no problem. You know, cause I do that all the mm-hmm. time anyways. Cause you know, I just, I am, uh, you know, I'm valuable and people, you know, I'll get things done and I'll, I'll do work and they'll pay me however I want. I, I don't want to check can't pay me with your you know venmo or paypal or any of that stuff mm-hmm. uh and you know the one thing i've noticed so if you're in america and you're like um looking to make uh, like cash transactions in like the secondhand market like uh through like a uh, facebook marketplace or like craigslist i really like craigslist a lot better because mm-hmm. when we try buying stuff that we see like farm equipment or like livestock we want to buy on uh, marketplace uh, well actually marketplace really can't sell livestock on it, but they still do mm-hmm. just cheat to uh, change you know work around the algorithm okay Almost all those guys want you to pay them through some kind of app or digital thing. I've noticed on Marketplace, uh, good. Uh, Facebook Marketplace, very few people are interested in cash. That's and in, strange. And in fact, my wife likes really likes buying stuff on there for like used baby clothes and stuff, and like you know stuff for the kids. Yeah. Um, and uh, and like a, the the bunch of people like aren't interested in taking cash on you know when you you just go meet them locally, you know they're around town or whatever. Uh, but on Craigslist. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, you got to pay me cash. And like, and one thing I've been noticed about the Craigslist farmers, you know, I'm just doing farm stuff is like, like that guy I was telling you about last time who just like hates the internet, you know, yeah. um, that, you know, they're not into any of that stuff. They, they're using flip phones, you know, a lot of these farmers and stuff. But right. like, just these to, are older guys, though. Most right? of them are. But even yeah. the younger kids um, that are farming, they're like, they might have, a, you know, they got a smartphone, but. Uh, they're like, oh yeah, man, I want you to pay me cash, you know, and, and, and as long as that stays alive, then they can't get rid of cash, right? As long as there's enough people who refuse to go along with the CBDC, then they can't just cut off cash entirely. They won't, it wouldn't be a good look for them to do that. It didn't look good in Nigeria and they had people literally rioting in the streets and destroying bank buildings when they weren't even trying to get rid of the cash. They just screwed yep. it up. Whether they did it on purpose or not is another question, but they didn't have enough cash uh, to to dole out to people. So if there's enough people, and they're saying in this story from the Wall Street Journal, 15%. Now, this is in the U.K. I would need to look up some numbers for the United States. But they're saying 15% of people are still paying with cash, which means, you know, the vast majority of people are using debit cards, credit cards, or some sort of app like an Apple Pay or or a Google Pay. And you know, 15% is probably still enough to keep it around. I don't know at what point they'll be able to justify pulling cash away. But ultimately, this is a generational plan, right? Like this, That's why they're not going to do this all at once. They want to roll out the CBDC, and they want those old farmers you're talking about to die off. The people who are old enough to, you know, remember earning cash when they were a kid yep. and paying for things with cash. And it was actually uh, Benjamin, who's one of the guys with Goldback. He gave a really great speech at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, I think last year, which I watched on video later, where he explained what part of the problem is. And I think it was a really well put uh, explanation, and that is that a lot of young people today, they grew up with no cash. Right. Okay, so they grew up on devices, as you yep. were talking about. It's the about, imprinting. And they're used to... Uh, they're used to making they're used transactions to, on Fortnite. That's well, what they're used to. That too, but also just using a card, right? So when they go to, right. a, when they go to a grocery store, they go to any, any shop, they're paying on the card. 
they're not used to actually seeing something leave. They're not, they don't have, when you pay with a card, you don't have that experience. I mean, you know at some level that dollars or whatever numbers are leaving a bank account or leaving, you know, whatever ethereal account that you have, but it's not the same thing as actually having to take something from your wallet hand it over to another person and receive goods back in exchange for it. It just seems more magical or whatever when you do it with the card. So it's almost like these people are kind of being put under a spell. He didn't use that terminology, but that's essentially what's going on, right? They're they're being they're so used to just oh, just tap and pay. It's got there you get all this stuff. You just tap and then boom, there it is. They're not exchanging. You don't have that feeling of an actual mm-hmm. exchange going on. And that they've never had that. In fact, there's an interesting video, there's a series of them. You know, I'm sure you've seen these videos where they go around, they ask Gen Z young people like, you know, what's the uh, what's the capital of yes, the United yep, States yep. or whatever and they can't answer the question. Yeah, right, right. They can't answer it's just like the most basic questions. Sometimes they'll they're, ask they're sad, questions. Those videos. Yeah, they really are. And sometimes they'll ask questions like, how many dimes are there in a dollar? Oh. <laughs> and they don't yeah. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. They don't know what a nickel is. They don't know what a dime is. They think it's you know, a bag of weed or something like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, they have no idea. Now, I'm sure there's still some young people that understand this, but the question is how many of them are like the kids that you see in these videos where they cannot tell you how many quarters are in a yeah. dollar? A lot of, and so, you know, where most kids, like my generation, kind of like learned about dollars and cents and money is, you know, it was... Uh, like in, I don't remember how, but I do remember being in first grade, being six years old, mm-hmm. and I do remember paying cash for my lunch in school. Okay, I remember that. Um, I and all through high school, you know, like uh, so in first grade it was under a dollar, and in high school it was like three bucks. Okay, you know, for lunch, and I, I thought three dollars was ridiculous when it went to three dollars, <laughs> but you know, I, that's because I didn't, you know, my mom or my dad bought the food, not me. I didn't know what food was worth. Yep. Um, but actually, it's just dirt cheap. Anyways, uh, it was dirt cheap back then. But uh, <clears throat> I was talking to someone about four or five years ago and uh, about their kids or something in school, and she's like, oh, darn. She got a text message. She goes, ah, I got to re-up my kid's um, lunch account, uh, uh, food account. Mm-hmm. So the kids basically got a, 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 a school ID card. Yep. And, you know, it's on a lanyard and it's around his neck or whatever or in his backpack. And if he doesn't have that, he don't get lunch. They were doing fingerprints at one point, Jay, in some in some school districts. So so now so basically when you take. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, yep. When you. Yeah. Yeah. Fin- yeah. To, for, OK. They did. Uh, that. Yeah. That, you're not going to lose wasn't... your fingerprint. Right. Right. So they were doing by bio- <laughs> the training kids for biometric uh, yep. ID. I mean, this was back probably in the early aughts, late 90s or something like that. I remember when I was in high school, it was a code. Yep. You'd, you'd give a code number to authorize payment from okay. you know, whatever I, that system was. Yeah, I don't remember that. But yeah. uh, and, and also, so like like my, my kid, my daughter, like I sold someone some meat a couple, uh, couple weeks ago and I'm like, collect the money, Cypress, count it. And, you know, and she went through it and we gave, mm-hmm. gave, the, gave the girl her change. And every time I'm somewhere, I let her pay or, you know, That's whatever, good. because I want her to understand this. And she and my, actually she does understand the difference between dimes and quarters and nickels. I don't think she, she would tell you there's 20 nickels in a dollar dollar, but she knows there's four quarters in a dollar. That she probably puts that. her ahead of a lot of 20 year olds. Right. And she's three. <laughs> and, but, you know, I don't use any cards, you know, and, and I yeah. don't. And, and the thing is, is whatever example you set. But so it sounds like, you know, and then another thing, too, I've, I've seen with kids. I've seen this with um, when I was out in Colorado, all these guys I worked with, all their kids had their own debit card. Mm-hmm. Now, now mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, I can remember 
I don't know. I'm going to uh, go off with my buddies. We're going to go bike riding. I'm like eight or nine years old. Hey, my, my dad's like, you got 20 bucks on you? Make sure you got 20 bucks. Here, Just put it in, in your case. sock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Make sure you got a quarter so you can call me or, right. or a couple of dimes. And, and uh, you know. Good luck uh, finding a payphone these days. It, it, right. And, and, he, <laughs> and, and my dad would be like. You you go with your three buddies like these guys got any money anybody got any money where are you mm-hmm. going and you just make sure we had enough money we could eat some food or something sure you know and and, and today they're giving the kids a cart yep right yep. I mean yeah that's a fact it's conditioning yeah so uh, we're talking about this Wall Street Journal story here about the cash advocates now by the way the people in the uh, story here they're older okay so you got a guy who's quote unquote semi retired. Uh, you've got another woman who I don't think they give her age and they don't show her picture, but the, of the photos, at least, of these people that are they're out there, they're advocating yep. for people using cash. These are people that appear to be 50, 60, 70 oh, years the, the, the modern years day old. productive working class people. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so they're having uh, rallies and, and such. And uh, let's see here. The World Economic Forum, they said, called the allegations about it false and quote unquote very regrettable. Of course, they're known to lie. Among pro-cash sympathizers are the brothers behind Right Said Fred. You remember their song in 1991, I'm Too Sexy? Yeah, I do. Remember that one? Uh, They made it back in the news, I remember, during COVID because they were questioning the the whole COVID narrative. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, they were like a few of just, I think it was Eric Clapton, Right right Said Fred, and there was like... um, was another guy that that made a that made a song actually. They made, some of these guys actually made songs. And a few bands actually broke up. I can't. Rem- there's a guy. Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but like, there's like three or four like major like, bands that they you know, like the Offspring. I it was kicked their drummer mm. out because he it, wouldn't get because uh, he wouldn't get vaccinated right. because he had Guillain Barre syndrome and his doctor said no, you can't take that vaccine because mm. he was actually going to go. But he's like, hey guys, I got this disease. I got to check with my doctor. And it kicked him out of the yeah, band. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. So now he's drumming with Tim Pool, which I think is awesome. Huh. Van Morrison, <laughs> that was the other one. Van yep. Morrison wrote some protest songs during that whole thing. So right, said Fred, back in the news here, Fred uh, Fairbrass is one of them. He said, we're working with an old people's home and a homeless shelter. Without cash, those people are absolutely stranded. Brett Scott, author of Cloud Money, Cash Cards, Crypto, and the War for Our Wallets. This is a power struggle is set to grow over how people pay for stuff. McKinsey projects the digital payments industry will be worth $3 trillion by 2026, much of it generated in Asia, particularly China, where, of course, if you've been paying attention, you know that China has a uh, state system for payments, essentially. And they have, of course, the, uh, the, the what do they call it, social score, social credit uh, yep, score. Social credit score, yep. So if you do bad, according to the Chinese government, then they can lock you out of the social the, the payment system and essentially make you a non-person uh, because there's just such widely widespread acceptance of digital payments there. And China is probably a mandate. I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if there's still a cash uh, option in I'm, some places I'm in sure China. I'm sure there's a black market. Yeah. There has to be. Uh, but cash, Scott argues, provides freedom, anonymity, and security. Well, I mean, kind of. And that's that's where like these guys are kind of on the cusp. Uh, what they're doing is is good. I, I'm not cr- I'm not criticizing what they're doing, but of course, it it's doesn't still go a far fiat enough. money, right? That's the problem. You're still does- supporting war yeah. and the parasite. You yeah, know, and- it doesn't really give you freedom, right? It gives you maybe freedom from the 
uh, you know, the banking system. Okay, that that's some sort of freedom, but you don't have freedom from the politicians. It's got you got a little bit of privacy from, to it. Yeah, well, that's true. Anonymity is true, uh, but uh, freedom from the bankers. No, you don't. Ha- you don't have freedom from the central bankers in that case. Uh, if you're using cash, but it is still a step in the right direction. Others say it can help track spending. Uh, Jenny Whitaker says it's easier to stick to your budget when you're at the supermarket. She was out shopping at the time. She said, if I'm using my card or phone, it would quickly get out of control. And that's because, you know, you just don't, even if you're using a debit card or whatever, how often are you actually checking the balance of the account? Before you go into the grocery store, if you're going to pay with a debit card, do you check your bank account before you go in? Never use debit card. I'm asking the wrong guy here, but (laughs) I'm just, you know, asking the listener out there, how often do you actually assess how much money is in the account? A lot of people probably don't. They just go in, they figure they can spend it, they go in and they try it. And if it works, then they, you know, they, they complete the checkout. If not, then. Well, they try the other card, right? Convenience store, I I frequent quite a bit. Uh, actually, I I use uh, crypto all the time there because is know, this all in one? The, uh, um, well, yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, the uh, I was talking to uh, one of the girls working a cash register, and it was two people in front of me. Their cards got denied, and they just left their stuff. Oh, and, wow! Um, and they left, and and I go, does that happen a lot? She goes, like the past half a year, more it, often, it's like really often, and it's, and and it was like. Um, what was it? It was, uh, so it was like March mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and, and the girl said to me, um, yeah, on the long months, uh, it happens more often than last week. So like <clears throat> the Feb- long months, the long months, 31 day month versus a 28 day month. Okay. Um, if you get, you know, X amount of dollars a month is your, you know, allowance or pay or Welfare whatever, or something. something, anything, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, on the long months, you got less dollars per day to spend, and, and and that's the way she explained it to me, and I I, I hadn't really ever like mm. contemplated that before. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, but um, also people are having a tougher time, right? Oh, that's, definitely. That's another definitely. thing that's changed yeah. in the last half a year to a year is uh, you know the inflation is a real thing. I mean, and, at least if you're going to write a check, you would probably. Like I know uh, when my dad had a checkbook, you know, I've never had one. Well, you got to register there. You know how much, right? It was like, oh, okay, yeah. I got this left because he would, right. you know, he would write in what he spent and then he would subtract it and you know, have it, you know, keep on carrying it down. Well, and that's another difference between using a card and cryptocurrency. Right. When you're using cryptocurrency, yep. you got your wallet balance right yep. there in front of yep. you. You know which crypto you're choosing based on how much is in the account or whatever, and then you, you know, so you're always aware yep. in that case of what you're spending. Whereas with that card, you have no idea unless you make a habit of constantly checking uh the balance let's go to the phones here we got gg on the line in south carolina gg you're on free talk live with Ian and Jay. good evening everyone Hi, number one i found out that a particular grocery store in my city called harris teeter takes dash what are you serious Remember you mentioned that a couple of evenings ago uh, no, I don't, I've never heard of Harris. A restaurant. No, it's interesting though. I've, no, it's, a, it's a store I've never okay. even heard of. Well, that doesn't mean they don't. A, that's cool. just a little, a little sidebar. All right. The real reason why I'm calling this evening is because quite a long time ago, I was listening to a particular evening's broadcast of your wonderful program, and all of the hosts on that evening were talking about the disgusting thing that the city of Minneapolis did to a senior 
citizen widow who fell behind on her property taxes, Mm -hmm. and the city confiscated her condo and sold it and did not give her any of the proceeds that would have gone to her, rightly so. Wow. P.S. It went all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States. Okay. And today, it was a unanimous verdict. The opinion was written by Chief Justice Roberts. All of the justices concurred, saying the city had no right to do that. And furthermore, they owe this lady, 95 years old currently and still alive, $25,000 because that should have been her share of the money. And they further stated unanimously that a city does not have the right to confiscate someone's property. Wait, what? I want to hear more about this. Hang on, Gigi. Hang on. Uh, Because, I mean, I I doubt they're overturning property taxes here. I want to find out more about this story. It is apparently breaking news as of today. We'll uh, learn more about it, and you can share your thoughts as well. We can also weigh back in on the cash discussion. If you want to jump into that, you can and bring up anything you want here on Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour here. The phones are open if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can weigh in on the discussion about cash. Uh, Apparently there's a group of activists out there that are advocating that people do not abandon cash. Stick with it. Keep paying for things uh, in cash. And don't make the shift over to all debit or credit or some sort of online payment system we can continue that discussion here tonight it's ian and jay noon but Gigi called in with an interesting supreme court decision uh Gigi on the line in south carolina and you were just kind of recapping this decision that was a nine to zero which pretty rare especially on a politically you know divided court Nine to zero, unanimous decision. Let me just recap this. You correct me if I got anything wrong, Gigi. An old lady who's now 94 years old 
No, 95, sir. Okay, well, that's what it says here in the Reuters report. But anyway, oh, this okay. uh, elderly woman uh, was kicked out of her home because she She did... was evicted. Yep. Legally, the word is evicted. Yep, she uh, was not paying the property tax, maybe because she couldn't afford it, because, you know... It's expensive, and That's right. and uh, the city, or the, rather the uh, the county that houses Minneapolis, decided they were going to what they call tax sale the house. And Jay, you can probably relate to this story. Oh yeah, I got a personal hey, experience. Line, they threw her out of her home. Yes, and then they sold it to somebody else. They took in like sixty grand or something like that, and and apparently she had quote unquote owed fifty thousand dollars in she owed sixty thousand mm. the scotus report states based upon chief justice roberts writing the opinion for the court sixty thousand was owed however she was legally entitled to a minimum of twenty five thousand dollars because it could have uh depicted her in good faith attempting to make payments towards back property taxes as opposed to throwing her out. Yeah, this this old lady just couldn't pick enough cotton for master. Mm-hmm. And Ain't that uh, the truth. And you know, she wasn't able to produce enough energy, so they took what what the probably the last thing is she really had, right? Yeah, yes, probably. Sir. Now, the numbers here are a little different in this story, uh, Gigi. It, it says that it was $40,000 is what they got for the auction of the house, and then they claimed that the older lady owed uh, 15000 so that remained. They gave $25,000 after the quote-unquote tax debt was paid back because that's the alleged reason they steal people's property is oh well you owe us you owe us this arbitrary amount of money that we've been you know stealing from you for years and so therefore since you won't pay we're just going to take the most valuable thing in your life you know besides your kids or whatever we're going to take your house from you sell it at an auction is notorious for auctioning people's not just the house but the contents in that sure. house as well. Yeah, no, you don't get anything for that, I don't think, out of this process. It's just whatever the house goes for, then they're supposed to give, in most places, they're supposed to give the previous owner whatever the remainder is That's after. That's right, and Chief Justice Roberts said she should have been given a minimum of 25000 that could have enabled this lady to make payments towards getting her home back and living somewhere. Well, it would have helped her, I'm sure, to get the 25000 but the interesting thing here, and Gigi, thanks for bringing this up here. I appreciate you calling in about this well, tonight. Well, I learned about it from this program many months ago. This story? Yes, sir. Uh-oh. One evening, I was listening to the program, and it was being reviewed and discussed on this show. Interesting. I must not have been on that night. So or, when I heard recall. about the verdict today... I remembered, hey, oh, good. I first learned about this on Free Talk Live. Thank you for the follow-up, because we never probably would have heard about it if it weren't for your well, call. Well, I pay attention, and I'm a news junkie. Good. Well, I'm glad you're out there, Gigi, and thank you for calling in tonight with that story. Uh, so the important thing to know here is this hasn't overturned property taxes. This isn't the Supreme Court saying property taxes are wrong or illegal or anything like that. No, they are totally fine with property taxes. They're just saying that apparently in the states, including uh, Minnesota, 
And there are there's more than one place where this happens. They don't give a list in the Reuters story, but Minnesota is not the only uh, place in which there is a system like this where they essentially punish you for not paying taxes by just keeping all of the money oh, yeah. uh, at yep. the tax sale. Now, Massachusetts you went through does this. that also. Yeah, I was going to say, you actually went through this yourself. Yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, more than, a de- what, a decade ago or something like that? 2010? Uh, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah, 11? something like yep. that. Sounds about right. Yep. Uh, where you hadn't paid taxes on a property that you owned in Palmer, Mass. Yeah, I had it for right about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, what did they claim uh, in your case? How much so, did they claim you owed them? So they claimed that I owed them $136,000 for not paying property tax on uh, on a house that I bought for $79,000, mm-hmm. you know, for, oh, I think it was 10 years. <clears throat> and uh, when they came after, and when they came after me, um, I demanded a jury trial. And they're like, no, you don't get a jury trial. You waived your right to a jury trial. What? And I says, no, I have not waived my right anywhere. You know, how does the state become the arbiter of whether or not I waive my rights? So the government is, is, you know, instituted to protect my rights. And that's when I started learning we don't have governments anymore. We have municipal corporations calling themselves governmental agencies. Mm. Anyways, in Massachusetts, there is absolutely no way you can get a jury trial for a property tax taking. Wow. And uh, so I started, so I've been asking this question in New York. I mean, New York, New Hampshire. And they're like, um, uh, I'm like, so like I asked tax, tax town clerk, I says, so when someone takes their property and, and they, uh, and they're like, no, you can't take my property. I go, do you guys go like get a jury trial? She goes, no, no, we just get a, you know, a um, summary, something judgment or something she says. And, mm-hmm. you know, we just, you know, they, they do what's called a tax taking, a tax lien taking or a tax title taking or something. Yep. And uh, essentially it's like they're like, yeah, there's no there's no jury trial for this. And, you know, um, so it, it, it's, it's usually up to the city council or whatever. It, well, it, it just goes to show that, um, you know, that you don't have any rights and you're basically a slave. Yep, sure and, does. Uh, and, you know, and, and it's very clear. And, you know, so like, you know, because one of the you know fundamentals of, of American, you know, our, this republic that, you know, the founding files created that uh, we all own our land and it's ours. But the problem is, is, you know, sometime in the 19, you know, 39, all the private properties got put on the tax rolls because in 1932, the government went bankrupt uh, at the Geneva Convention. FDR filed bankruptcy on behalf of the United States Corporation and all of these municipal corporations calling themselves City of Keene, Town of Henniker, whatever, all essentially became tax collection, you know, became debt collectors to pay off this bankruptcy debt. And um, all these somehow all these properties got some kind of lien. Uh, on them, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I actually went down this rabbit hole pretty hardcore in Hamden County, Massachusetts. Every single property in a little village of Thorndike, Massachusetts, and a little village of Bonsville, Massachusetts. Bonsville is where my house was, where you guys came down to yep. that that day a decade ago. I remember. Um, and uh, every single piece of property for two days in 1939 in the uh, archives, going down in the basement of the of the deed hall, um, we, we researched a bunch of this. Was owned by uh, it was called um, Bondsville Realty Company, and then in where my dad's farm was, that was Thorndike. Uh, that that property was owned for two days. A grantor deed was granted to Joseph Fury Esquire, who was a lawyer who had mm. a law firm in town that day. And he was also uh, had something to do with Bondsville Realty Corporation, which mm-hmm. Bondsville Realty Comp- Corporation was granted uh, the deed to my house, um, and then two days later. There was a deed from the Bondsville Realty Corporation to uh, 
something O'Connor was the guy's name. Uh, the same owner. Back to it. And so I started looking, and they got these uh, indexes. So I looked up uh, Joseph A. Fury Esquire. I remember this. I was like, wow, this guy owned every single property in town for two days. That's suspicious. How did that happen? This was yeah. 1939. Mm-hmm. So I had him. Uh, so I, 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 I uh, the guy doing the research with me was this uh, old Mexican dude, really cool guy. He was really into history and research. He worked for the county and he worked in that archives department. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Wow, this is amazing! Well, you, how, how could this happen? You know, how could the same?" And he There's just no starts, way he could be yeah. that wealthy. There's well, no way that one guy could just <clears throat> so, come in there and buy everything up. Right. So, uh, so this particular thing on my dad's farm that was Joseph Fury Esquire got granted the property for two days in 1939. And then it was granted back. I said to the, uh, I, so I bring it upstairs, you know, a copy of it. And I go, hey, what's this uh, document? How, how did this happen? And they go, oh, that's a mortgage. They said, yeah, that's a lien on a property. I'm like, oh, okay. They, yeah, they probably got some kind of mortgage. I'm like, all right, let's let's find the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Let's find the lien. And so the lady's like, oh, no problem. We'll do that. And well, we really can't find this this lien. The, the, you know, the, you know this, this mortgage. And there's really no mortgage reference. It just went from, uh, like, there's elements missing. So I, I set up a date with the actual uh, registrar of deeds. His name was um, Ash. I can't remember his. Okay. A- Ash is like a Western Mass crime family. Like his hmm. his cousin or brother yep. is the sheriff, and they're all politically connected. Mm-hmm. And they all good old boys. Yeah, and they're accused mm-hmm. about running drugs with the state police and the whole nine yards. And you know, you know, yep. it, it's all you know, towing and wrecking companies that help the cops out. I mean, it's just you know, everywhere like where you grow up, you just learn who all the criminals are. You know, sure. and, and, and it's just. Anyways, the Ash family, you know, the one guy runs the jail, the other guy runs the um, deed hall. Yep. And uh, so uh, it's supposed to, Donald J. Ash is the guy's name, I'm supposed to have a meeting with him. So I go to have the meeting and they're like, oh, no, you don't have a meeting. He's out of the office today. And I'm like, oh, can we reschedule a meeting? Mm-hmm. And they're like, I'm like, when's he next available? And they're like, uh, we'll call you when he's available. I go, no, oh, just, I, I go, you probably have an opening, right? And can we just schedule a meeting? And then uh, I have two. Now, this is in like the fourth floor of the courthouse, yep. you know, where, 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 where like that deeds hall thing is and, you know, Superior Court and whatever courts are downstairs, Springfield, Mass, um, the uh, courthouse there. And uh, so all of a sudden, like I'm talking to this lady and she's kind of like and then uh, I, I hear, uh, excuse me, Mr. Noon. And I'm like, oh, cool. Ash is here. I'm going to have a talk with him, right? And mm-hmm. it's two uh, sheriff's deputies, and they're asking me to leave the building. Whoa. And um, that was and, the end of that lead, huh? So, so, I, so I went down. So as, as I'm walking downstairs with the guys, I'm telling them what's happening. And they're like, yeah, right. I'm like, I'm like I got it right here. Why don't you go see what this is about? You know, because I uh-huh. had it because the, the week before I was in there, I had this certified copy of right. all this stuff. And I go, why don't you go talk to the Mexican guy downstairs? I forget his name. He was a great guy. Hmm. And he'll tell you all about it. And, you know, they all know each other. They all work in sure. the building. And um, <clears throat> and then we, uh, I went in there uh, uh, another time with uh, my friend Gene. And, you know, about two months later to uh, kind of work on this and talk about it. And and um, I so I go up to the desk and I'm like, hey, can I get a meeting with, uh, you know, someone that can explain, you know, because they actually have these archives like somewhere where you can go view them. Mm-hmm. Like the original real archives, because what you're, the books you're flipping through are like books that were made like back in the 60s okay. or, or in the 40s. And your real documents are somewhere else. They're copies. Okay. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and as soon as I start telling the lady what I'm looking for and I show it to her, she goes, oh, we, we've been through this before, she says. And I go, no, no, I, I haven't. Who's been we? Able, yeah, yeah, right. That's what she said to me. I'm like, no, I haven't been able to see the original um, archives. 
And uh, so I, I just never really pursued it anymore. I'm like, yeah. ah, you know, heck yeah. what Massachusetts. I'm planning on going to New Hampshire someday anyways. This was after you lost your house was when you were digging into this, right? Um, it was as the court case was going on, uh-huh. as I was fighting for it, as I was, you know, uh, you know, all this stuff. So there is no way to get a jury trial in a tax taking in Massachusetts mm-hmm. is basically what I found out. So this whole, like, you can't take property without judgment of peers stuff of the Constitution. Obviously, the Constitution doesn't apply. You know, <laughs> you don't have a constitutional form of government. Is basically No, the it's just line. a bunch. Of, it's just rule by men. It's completely yep. arbitrary rule by men. They do whatever it is they want to do. And every now and then you can call them on it. And every now and then a court will rule in a way that, in this case, this lady who's now 94, amazingly, she's still alive yep. after having gone all the Imagine way up to stress. the Supreme Court. Uh, you know, maybe she's going to walk away with a $25,000 check after all said and done. But Yeah, I, mean, I hope she's <laughs> awarded some uh, punitive damages. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think she'd probably have to countersue for that, right? Because the Supreme Court can't just come down and say, you know, oh, give this lady $12 yep. million. Dollars. Now, now that happen. went all the way to the United States Supreme Court. Yeah. And, and just imagine what it took to get there. That's what I'm saying. Uh, how many years? How many and, right, years right. has this been going on? So now she has to appeal in, in the local court, and then she has to appeal it maybe in the state court, in the state appeals court, and then she appeals it to the Supreme Court yeah. of the of, of of that state, and then you appeal it to the federal. You know, I don't know if you go straight to appeals court, but basically it was like you had to do like 2016. So yeah. this was okay. it was uh, 2016 was when the house was yep. sold at auction. So almost not quite a decade ago, but most of yep. a decade ago. Uh, and according to the story here, it's 13 other states had this policy, which just lets the government sell a house that's, quote unquote, in arrears for taxes yep. and keep the entirety of the proceeds mm-hmm. for their own benefit. Yep. So that's what's been overturned here in a nine to zero decision. By you know the who I blame Court. for uh, for the, uh, you know, the suffering of this old woman and other people? I believe all the parasites that work in government. I, you know, all sure. and and even the people care. that are sending their kids to public schools, you are engaging in acts of of literally um, violence against uh, threats of violence. Anyways, against taxpayers. In fact, I had armed men, like literally, like a SWAT team, showed up at my house to remove me from my house. Yeah. And, you know, what, six a.m. Yeah, I was like, yeah, a little before six. I mm-hmm. uh, woke up to, um, you know. Like the entire Palmer police force and a bunch of state cops and a couple of, you know, it wow. was, you know and they're like, ah, you got to get out of there. And I'm like, um, all right, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back upstairs and get some clothes on. And, and they're like, we brought a U-Haul truck for you. And, uh, they really? hired, yeah, they brought a U-Haul truck. Uh, they, they actually let you take your stuff out of the house. They had a whole moving crew. Whoa. They're like, they're like, Jay, just tell these guys, you know, what to do, what to box up. And they're like, that. And, Where'd you take it? <clears throat> Um, I, oh, I just, I just, uh, I, I brought it up to the farm. Wow. Um, you know, I just wow. put it all into a trailer at the farm, but, um, they That's were crazy. like, I'm surprised they even did that. And, and, and like every cop that I knew, like, couldn't look me in the eye. Oh, they're wow. like, dude, I'm really sorry this happened to you. And you know, they're like, um, and like, cause, cause a lot of the cops actually like had earned my respect and like me. Cause first mm-hmm. off I was a firefighter. Right. So, you know, I was uh, on that fire department for like just like a few weeks shy of 20 years. Right. And wasn't that right across the street? Like, not yeah, far and that down was one thing. I, that's actually the reason I really bought the house is because it was literally like a hundred yard dash to a yeah. fire station. I was really into the fire station back mm-hmm. then and doing that stuff. And, and the fire department was a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, 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 but the, but the thing is, is just, uh, yeah, there's like, just no jury trial. They just take nope. it. They just take the house, take yep. it down to a tax sale, sold it to some private dude, as yep. I recall. And yep. uh, and then, of course, you said the house was worth less 
than probably what they got. So for, they wanted right? like one hundred and thirty-six thousand dollars, and I think the house sold for like nineteen thousand dollars. <laughs> but but what was really hilarious about that? So you guys came down. You got arrested down there. I did uh, yeah. at, at the auction because when they were viewing the house, there was you know it was like you. It was you guys Peter came down there. several times. Yeah. Uh, Pete Air, uh, I believe. Uh, From topblock.org. I think even a demo was down once. I know, like, um, I got a picture of me, you, and Mark Edge out in front of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Wow, they so, only sold that thing for 19 grand. That's all it brought. Uh, because, well, I'm like, hey, you're buying stolen property. Like, as people are walking in to look at the house, I'm like, this is stolen property. Nice. You know, and I'm just out there to the sidewalk telling people it's stolen property. And uh, I remember the uh, Pete Air did a really, uh, Pete and Adamo put together a nice little video of that, like, whole deal. Mm-hmm. And you go into town hall. Oh, no, oh, we're, you're recording the um, uh, the auctioneer or the guy from the auction company. And he just looked like this slimy Boston politician. Right. And, and I don't think you call him slimy, but you, 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 like he just looked like a guy that like, you didn't want to ride in an elevator with because he's going to hell, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't want to mm-hmm. be caught with him. Uh, when you know when he goes there, like a lobbyist, you know, corporate lobbyist, right? But uh, <clears throat> and then you go videotape in town hall, and they just pulled some signs out of the printer and they taped them up on yeah. the glass door. <laughs> no, no video recording in town hall, and you walk right in there, and you're just recording, and Pete's recording, yeah. and and smashed uh, me up. Yeah, uh, Pete. Pete asked one of the fat cops in town. This guy Ray Tenzar. Yeah, he's he, the one that arrested. Yeah, me. yeah. He's such a d-bag. I hope you're listening, Ray. <laughs> Piece of turd. Anyways, uh, he. Um, <laughs> I ended up he, getting a check out of all that. Yeah, by the way. so he arrests you, but like, so he was a guy. Uh, this video is so hilarious. I'm just like cracking up thinking about it. You're like, <clears throat> you said something about and uh, hey, um, you guys have the exclusive monopoly on violence in town. How how does it feel to be a gangster? And like he just couldn't help himself but smile a poopy right. and grin ear to ear. Yeah. He was he's such he a psychopath. He knew it was You know true, how many yeah. girls like, you know, oh, like man. you know, complained Creeper. about him and all the crazy stuff with that guy. I can only and imagine. um <clears throat> so, but anyway, and, and he was, you know, he was just an example of a liability to the town of Palmer because mm-hmm. You get charged with some stupid disorderly conduct charge, right. two of them. I don't remember what they are, but you literally said to the um, to Judge Poehler, Patricia Poehler at the courthouse, you're like, you know, um, I'll pay your $50 fine uh, if you allow me to donate to, to a local charity. Like, how about the Palmer Food Bank? I would like to write them a check right, right yeah. now is pretty much what you said. And they're like... No. Nope. <laughs> so so the next court hearing, they're like, here, Ian, here's a check for five grand. Please don't sue us. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, that's right. Thanks to the ACLU of uh, Massachusetts for taking that. Yeah, case. that was great. Let's go to the phones here. Major Payne's on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Um, well, I got I got uh, something on the cash and plastic debacle yeah. there. But I also got to give you some quick breaking news. Okay. The uh, leader of the Proud Boys got the most serious sentence of the uh, January 6th, what I yeah. used to call wheelchair or walker rebellion. I um, heard 18 years. Yeah, 18 years, dude. There's got to be a presidential candidate who's got to step up and be like, I will pardon all these guys. I mean, I think Trump's been hinting at it. I'm not sure if he's come right out yeah, and said it. But just say it. Wait man. a minute, just to clarify, you said, did you say the Proud Boys or Oath Keepers? Because the guy was from Oath I, Keepers. Okay, I, I had that yep. one. I was bouncing that marble around between my ears, and I couldn't remember which one. So thank you. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah 18 I, years. I heard that at NPR today, and, and NPR is such garbage. 
uh, you know, the way they were going out about how he was like, you know, terrorizing Congress and, you know, all this stuff. Come on. Yeah, I don't know the guy personally, but I I know um, you know we've we've met some oath keeper types over the years, and they seem to be genuine former government people who swore an oath to uphold the Constitution, and they say to themselves that 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 meant something to them, and so evidently was a former paratrooper and whatnot. Yeah, they want to hold the government accountable through whatever legal means, and uh, I don't think this guy was accused of anything violent, right? Like, what was what was you know, what were they saying he did? It, it's basically all conspiring. Yeah. He's yep. the leader. Typical. So, so yep. uh, Oath Keepers, I don't know if you've dealt with any Oath Keepers. Uh, yeah, Chris but, Reedman used to be uh, yep. Oath Keeper. Yep. So there's this other guy, uh, Dave Kopaz. He uh, has a uh, a YouTube show he, show he does called Red Pill Politics, and he was in the Oath Keepers. And we had it in tornado. In 2011, we had a tornado come through Palmer, Brimfield, and Munson, Mass. Just destroyed a bunch of stuff. So Dave, being an Oath Keeper, basically activated the Oath Keeper network, and guys showed up from, like, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Maine, pickup trucks and chainsaws, and just started cutting wow. trees out of people's driveways. And uh, they're like, oh, people like, you from FEMA? And we're like, uh, and, and the guy's like, no, nah, we're from Oath Keepers. And they're like, oh, that's awesome. We're, we'd rather have you here than FEMA anyways. And just everybody was so nice. happy that, like, there was a bunch of, like, guys helping out. Major, hang on. I know you said you had comments on the cash uh, card situation. We'll continue with that discussion here. And the phones are open, as always. If you want to join us, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up absolutely anything that's on your mind. It's Ian and Jay here. 603-283-6160. More Free Talk Live coming up. It's Free Talk Live. The phones are open and you can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. Ian and Jay here tonight. That's 603-283-6160. We've got a story that we started the show out with tonight talking about people that are sick and tired of this press towards more electronic payments. They want to reassert the fact that cash is a good thing, uh, that it you know protects your privacy, it's still, of course, a bad thing in the fact that it is uh, allows you to be victimized by inflation. But that's another story. I still think what they're doing is of some value, and we can talk more about that coming up here. In fact, I know Major Payne said he had something to say about it. Uh, but also, I want to let you know that this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash, which is digital cash. And Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. They've kept to that vision from the beginning of Dash, which was some time ago. Dash is actually one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. Uh, it's almost been around for a decade now. And it's widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. Dash can be used for less than one cent per transaction as far as the, the fee. Because anytime you spend cryptocurrency, there's always a network fee that they want to hit you with. You spend Bitcoin, you're looking at like two bucks median fee right now is what the Bitcoin fees are. It's crazy. Expensive. I got a, I got a transaction right now on my phone that is uh 13 days old it's no. uh, uh, uh like uh, $75 a bitcoin transaction yep. it's it hasn't confirmed in no, 13, not 13 days. days 
Wow. So there are serious problems with Bitcoin as a network being used for uh, for payments, but Dash doesn't have that problem. In fact, they've got some really cool features that ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible, and its network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete. So it's great for merchants. And big thanks to the Dash Decentralized Autonomous Organization for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn more about Dash. That's Dash.org. And coming up on Saturday night, we're actually going to have one of the Dash uh, people on the show to talk about, well, what happened this week. There was some interesting news with Dash. Uh, There was a technical problem for like the first time in a decade, basically, on Monday. So he'll give us kind of some background on that. And he actually really wants to talk about how... How to transition away completely from the banking system. How to basically put banks out of business. So I'm really interested in having that discussion. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be Saturday night, starting at 7 o'clock Eastern Time or shortly thereafter. Here on Free Talk Live, let's bring Major Payne back on the line in Michigan. Major, you had something you wanted to say about this whole cash uh, movement and or the uh, digital payments. Well, not so much the digital payments. I guess they would be inclusive as far as that part of the plastic empire. But um, this whole plastic thing is part of the dumbing down of America. It's a process that's been going on for decades. Mm -hmm. I've been watching it like a fish can't get out of the bowl to attack the fly he wants, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, they... uh, most people live paycheck to paycheck, better than 50% of the population of this country. That's correct. You know? And so once you get into that credit card debacle, especially if you, if you can't, you know, you, you violate their original code and go from 7 cents, 7% to 27% or whatever, you know, you are, you're just a cow that ain't got a feed that they get the milk every day. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, there's a huge problem with debt in this country and the credit cards you know that's probably one of the number one issues that that people have they don't know uh, if they have them they don't really know how to use them uh responsibly and that's what they count on they count on people being irresponsible and then being able to as you say milk them for the rest of their lives for those interest payments I, I, i when i was a very young warthog like six eight years old i got a very rude reckoning on what the system can do to you hmm I had been scrounging pop bottles for a whole summer, okay? okay? And finally had enough to fill up my little red wagon. So I drug it over to the corner store there called the Big Top. Cheap, just like a circus tent. Okay. It was a cool place. But anyway, so it was two cents a bottle, right? The very next day, it went to a nickel. Whoa. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> about a little kid feeding feeling screwed i think i got like two dollars and 85 cents next day and a ten dollar could have been yeah bummer i used to collect cans all the time i i we would go to horse auctions when i was a little kid and i would take a piece of baling twine and i would take the top of the can and just kind of bend it up like a 90 degree Mm -hmm. and i would take the baling twine it was just you know plastic twine or sizal twine and i would just keep on putting cans through this baling twine and just drag them around and then i would you know throw them in a gooseneck at a horse trailer and I can remember ha- having like um, just huge pile of cans and getting like you know hundred bucks for it, you know, like filled up a, a, a trailer, you know, after like you know several months of this. And uh, um, yeah, I I did a lot of that. I was a kid. Major, uh, anything well, else you want to share? The whole paper thing 
it teaches you responsibility. And when you got to crack that last $100 bill in your wallet, it actually gives you physical pain that yeah. you're not going to feel when you hand over that piece of plastic. Yeah, and that that kind of comes back to what I was saying the guy from Goldback was pointing out about younger people these days who've never paid in cash. They've never had the experience of having to crack that last 100 or 20 or whatever it is that, uh, you know, never seen uh, their money emptying out of their wallet. They've never felt the experience of actually exchanging something to receive goods back. Uh, they don't have that experience, and I think that that's what the uh, the system promoters, the World Economic Forum, the big governments, the central banks, they're counting on that. They're counting on young people having zero experience with cash so that once older folks uh, pass away, they're going to be able to pull cash out of the economy, and, I think. And the best thing I like about cash is the responsibility aspect of it. You lose that cash, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if someone steals it from you, it's gone. If you, you know, but... The credit card or the debit card, you drop that thing, you lose that. Um, you know, you just go ask your mother for another one when you're a young kid. And that's that's another thing I've, I've noticed is, you know, I have definitely have had parents that have teenagers that be like, oh, Jimmy lost his debit card again. I've had to get him like six of them, you know, in the past year. And it's like, well, I'm like, why don't you get, make that man respond, make him a responsible, <laughs> right. make that boy responsible so he grows up to be a responsible man. And give him cash, and if he loses his cash, uh, then he lost his cash. Yeah. This is, you know, he, and, and that's the other thing too. Is it's like these parents buying their kids a car, and then they thing. crash it, and then yeah. they go and buy him another yeah. one. The insurance buys him another one. Yeah, major. Yeah, well, we're right, right back to the dumbing down of America. Yep. My opening yep. statement. Thank you for the call tonight, major. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Perry in California. Perry, you're on Free Talk Live with the N and J. Thank you very much. Um, what I wanted to say is. First of all, uh, the lady was 95, you said, right? 94 now. Uh, she was uh, yeah. probably 86 well, the it, at it, the time really that she had her house stolen. In my opinion, it doesn't matter what age she is. I think that the people that were involved in, in, in kicking her out of her home should be in jail. And and the thing is, you see... The problem uh, is they run the jail. Our whole system... <laughs> Well, that's it. Yeah. That's what I'm just going to say. That the FBI, the CIA, all these, uh, the higher echelon, they they should be in jail. This whole thing, are, we have tyranny now. It's been going on for many years, but mm-hmm. we're now. I mean, we got strong tyranny now in America. It's it's it's. Um, you can't you can't even make this stuff up, but uh, it's like everything's backwards. And yes. we're allowing this to happen right before our own eyes. Yeah, look I, at the riots. Look at the now. This guy that's eighteen years. They're going to give him eighteen years. You said right? Oh yeah, uh, uh, Stuart Rhodes from the uh, Oath Keepers. Eighteen year sentence. But but meanwhile, yeah, none of Gislaine Maxwell's um, clients uh, have been indicted or investigated. Oh. There was just a whole report I, I listened to a few days ago about how uh, the FBI, as soon as uh, you know, Pete Biden came in. Uh, they just, you know, dumped the entire uh, Clinton um, investigation. They destroyed all the evidence. You know, I guess they were, you know, doing some investigation on the Clintons, and then investigation on Hunter, Hunter Biden was working on. Of you know, and I guess just this just all came about, you know, recent few days. Yeah. Well, well, you see, in, in my opinion, uh, uh, they didn't even go after all the rioters that were literally 
killing cops and burning down buildings and and car lots and everything else. They were they were uh, doing they were destroying cities like you wouldn't believe. Oh, you're talking about uh, uh, like in Minneapolis where uh, people were burning buildings down in 2020. The yeah, summer they did of love. It all over. Yeah, they did it all over the country. And uh, the thing is. Uh, they were leaning toward the left, but they wanted us everything free. You know, they said they should have all welfare, food stamps. Like, they're going to do all these 25 million uh, a- aliens that are coming in through the border, you know, that Biden's allowing in. Gonna, Biden's not allowing uh, people in the border. Well, he's, still, he's cracking down just like uh, Donald Trump did. <laughs> I mean, he's basically a continuation uh, well, of I mean, that's just basically conservative talking points that you're sharing there. But your point about the no, well, riots. Well, the last thing that what he's doing, what they're going to do is, uh, see, see, they've lost some Democrats even because they're waking up to what's going on about big government. And the thing is, is that they're going to have those people, because 40 states are going to give them driver licenses, they're going to let them vote, see, Democrat, because they're going to all... See, well, here's the thing. Right this now, is the problem where the, the right-wingers get it wrong, Perry. Well, you can get to your one more thing here in a moment, but the, the problem with the what the right-wingers get wrong here as far as immigration is concerned, a lot of those immigrants are conservatives. A lot of, uh, a lot of people from Mexican are culturally, or Mexico, are culturally conservative people. They, they're Catholics. They've got family well, values, you, that whole I, thing. I'm with you. I'm allowed, I, I would allow people to come in like we were doing a million a year. But they're allowing now people that are terrorists. They've already caught terrorists. They've already caught gang members. They've already caught murderers. They've already caught... I mean, That's just fear-mongering, man. This it's is just not, fear-mongering. No, this is not the way to do this. This is not the way to do no, this. No, the, the, the way not to do things is this, to have a police state, and that's what that's what you're advocating for. You're advocating for a police no, state. On one hand, no, you can no, no, see... Hold on now, Perry. On one hand, you can see how the police are doing the wrong thing when it comes to what's happening to Stuart Rhodes and the people on January 6th, but yet you want those very same cops to crack down on what is mostly peaceful people who are trying to come okay, here to make a, a better life for themselves. Okay, okay wait a minute. Are you saying you want to still give them welfare and, and no, cell sir. phones that shouldn't and cars exist. and all No, these? I'm against welfare. All of health and human services needs okay. to be axed. That's a libertarian point of view. I agree with you in, uh, to a great extent on what you're saying on that. But the thing is, what I'm worried about is by letting all the people that they are letting in criminals, okay? The thing is, they're gonna. We've already got. Them. They already are the criminals, America. dude. Already- the people at the border; those are the criminals. The people who are in the no, border patrol uniforms; those are the criminals. Yeah. Those are the ones who are stripping away your right to travel. They're the ones stripping away your ability to leave if you want to leave or come back if you want to come back without having to jump through a bunch of hoops and prove your quote-unquote citizenship to some unaccountable bureaucrats who, if they want to strip you down, strip down your car, do whatever they want to do, there's not going to be any kind of accountability for them for doing that. You're fine with that, right? So so, so, so what, what what do you want to do with fentanyl, by, by the way? I just want to... With what? Well, fentanyl? About this. I, I want yeah, to make it legal. They're bringing so in the, tons of it. I want, to, I want to decriminalize. I want fentanyl to be regulated just like tomatoes because it will eliminate that whole black market for the fentanyl and right now who's bringing in all the fentanyl well in according to mike gill it's the it's the governments that are bringing in the fentanyl and so we know from like you know silver dave a former special forces uh who was over in afghanistan all the heroin that was most of the heroin that was leaving afghanistan was was basically leaving afghanistan via military DEA being pumped into Europe, being pumped into the States. I mean, there was a time in this country where, you know, like in any major city, you could get uh, heroin cheaper than you could get um, uh, a, 
you know, uh, a, a joint, basically. And the heroin was also easier for a 15-year-old to come up with than an actual Budweiser. And mm. <clears throat> because it was just surged so high. And you'll see where the U.S., when they bring on their occupation of Afghanistan, you can just internet search this, uh, Af- uh, Afghanistan, heroin, U.S. import or export or something, keywords. And you'll see, like, <clears throat> as soon as the United States starts occupying uh, Afghanistan, uh, it the, the the heroin production in Af- Afghanistan goes insane because when the the particular but, gang that was occupying Afghanistan the Taliban or whoever they are and uh, you know they like like they would cut people's you know hands off if they were growing or participating in an opium but but but, the, but they're saying that a hundred thousand people a year are dying from fentanyl yeah and, and blame and, the war on drugs for that by the way because pill. fentanyl no, was never pill. a thing 20 pill. years ago right Perry no, you I asked know, the question about pill. fentanyl and I would like to answer the question Jay had a crack at it and I want to remind you that the reason why fentanyl exists the reason why crack cocaine exists is because of the war on drugs because the war on drugs prohibits all kinds of drugs right listen, like cocaine or, I, I, or heroin I listen, listen I help I helped get the party on the ballot in California. I know I know about the Libertarian Party. Believe me. So then you understand that the war on drugs leads to people using harder drugs, right? You understand, Perry, hold on. You can't listen if you're talking, okay? So you understand what you're saying is you understand that the war on drugs, drug prohibition, just like alcohol prohibition, led to stronger, harder forms of more concentrated forms of those drugs and led to drugs being cut with things like fentanyl. You understand that, right? Well, I don't necessarily know if that's a, that, that's hundred percent. I thought you but, said you uh, spent time with the libertarians and you understood the libertarian viewpoint well, on the war no, on drugs. I, mean, I understand that they wanted open borders at one time, and then they they. Wanted, oh, so you don't know anything about uh, prohibition, drug prohibition? Yes, I do know a little bit. I know I know that we've uh, always had it illegal and and uh, and uh, you know. It was uh, not always. A hundred years ago, heroin no, was not no, illegal. No. No, I well, you're right. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm, I'm not. I'm not talking about that far back. But anyhow, well, we are talking uh, about that far back because that far back, you didn't have a problem with fentanyl. Crack cocaine didn't exist. These things came about because cocaine existed, of, but not crack. Correct. It was crack that was developed in the same way that... By the CIA, it was, allegedly. It was developed in the same way that hard liquor became very so, popular so during uh, alcohol prohibition because when you prohibit things. They go into the black market. They become more dangerous because you need to. You only have so much space to smuggle, so you want to get the harder stuff in that smuggling space, right? And so you make harder drugs as a result of that. So if you want to get rid of fentanyl, here's what you well, do. I, here's what I, you do, Perry. You know, All you do is you legalize heroin, you legalize, um, you know, cocaine, you legalize all the things that are currently illegal, and you allow the marketplace to handle these things. Safety will increase dramatically. You will never see drugs being cut with something. If you go down to Walmart or you know, Walgreens or whatever and you buy, uh, you know, a bottle of aspirin, there's not like dope in the bottle of aspirin. You get exactly what it is you are expecting to buy. So that's how you get rid of fentanyl. And in fact, uh, Dana, uh, a gentleman we had on the show on Friday night last week from Vancouver, uh, he's an activist up there who does absolutely amazing work. He had pointed out that in the marketplace, when you actually have legal products, they actually move towards not the harder use of those products but the lighter use of those products we've seen it with uh with cannabis for instance so when cannabis was legalized there became all these like 
much more harm reduction kind of ways to use cannabis. There's the edibles now. Instead of having to smoke the cannabis, you can just take a dose of it. And oh, you can yeah. take a light dose uh, if you want to. Yeah. And there's now, you know, teas and, and sodas and things like that to allow well, you to, I'm to for, take these things. I'm for all that anyway. Okay. You know, so you're for drug legalization. Like, no, well, let's put it this way. Let's say you got a drug addict, right? And, and there there's, isn't anything that society can do to help this person, okay? They're, Actually, they're, there they're is. Take these, well, let's just say, I'm just showing you a scenario. And then uh, let's say that that person gets so whacked out, he, he decides to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge, okay? Okay. I, I'm, I'm, for, I'm for that, believe it or not. If that guy wants to jump off, I don't think anybody should try to stop him. I, you know, because... I, I believe in individual liberty, so long as okay. no one violates. All right, so you're for life. legalizing yeah. uh, suicide then? Well, the, what I worry about is like with fentanyl, somebody taking it and let's say putting it in a drink uh, at a college or somewhere at a, at, a, at a bar near a college or something, and it kills somebody, and they didn't even know it was in their drink. You know what I mean, or you, something like you that. You could you do know? that with. I, I with, just worry uh, about stuff little things you... like that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't worry about stuff like that. You're right, but I am for your. Well, you I, I do agree. With your uh, assessment, believe me, I do. I do agree. So you agree that we should we should end the war on drugs? When I hear, but but I'm still, but I'm hearing so much lately about there's so many people dying from these fentanyl pills. It's not like heroin. It's not like all this other stuff out there. You know, I mean, it seems like it's it's a lot stronger. It's killing. It's just killing. You know, one pill can kill you. That's it. That's what they're saying. Sure. I got two uh, things to comment on here. So so you said that you're concerned about someone wanting to basically murder somebody with fentanyl by dropping fentanyl into their drink. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that'll happen. I'm saying it could happen. Okay, I mean, okay, I, I, but I, I just want to tell you something. If somebody really wanted to do that, there is a product that they could go buy. I'm not going to say what it is. I'm not going to say where you can go get it. But they could go get it tomorrow at 7 a.m. in the morning right here in Keene, and they could take uh, a half ounce of this product, and they could drop it in a particular beverage, and they, that guy could drink that particular beverage, not even taste it, not even know what happened, and he will die an agonizing, painful death. Hmm. And and this particular product that you could buy at a store, um, a gallon of it costs twenty dollars, and you know a half ounce of it will kill you. And wow. uh, I'm not going to say what it is on the air because you know I don't want to give any ideas. But and then the other thing I want to make is, how do you help drug dealers? Well, if we look at the Kensington. Street Philadelphia videos where these people are walking around. It looks like a you know a, a, a in clip a daze. from The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. How do you help those people? How are those people getting drugs? They have an EBT card, electronic benefits transfer provided to them by the Pennsylvania Department of Health and Human Services, mm-hmm. along and also subsidized by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. If those EBT cards did not work anymore, those people would not be able to just spend their several hundred dollars a month that they get on whatever on their drug of choice. They, they would be done. Uh, and maybe a well, bunch they'd of find them, a way. Well, maybe they would <laughs> find a way. A will, there's a but, way. But it, but if you're they'll that start robbing, out, they'll start stealing whatever they got. Do you do. see the condition of these guys? They couldn't rob That's anybody, <laughs> right? If they walked up to me or you, we could just break them in half. I mean, literally. <laughs> Push them over. And the thing yeah. is. And, and and then yeah, well, that's why you shouldn't be anywhere near Philadelphia or Kensington because when a system collapses and all the crackheads can't get their money and mm-hmm. and, and the heroin addicts and the dopers, um, they're uh, because all the people that uh, in Manchester, you know, that are using all the drugs in the drug encampments there. So there's definitely some homeless people, and then you got some straight up drug addicts that are just you know they're made comfortable enough by all the offerings of health and human services. Right. So you see these like Venice Beach videos where they go interview the guy who's like 
tattooed from head to toe, and he's just like, yeah, man, I got $600 a month. I get wake up in the morning, get out of my tank, go get high, go over there, and, and they feed me. The, mm-hmm. the city got, got three three meals for us a day right out there. California is great, man. I used to live sure. in you know some cold city. Yeah, you got to change the incentives. Yep. That's uh, that's definitely that's true. That's how you stop drugs. You stop giving money to people to buy them. But so, as long as drugs are illegal, you're still going to have uh, and, serious problems. And you problems. have to make them... Uh, you have to remove the prohibitions, and you have to stop right. with the welfare. Right. That's it. Health yeah. and Human Services is murdering people. Everybody that dies from fentanyl that is on welfare was killed by the state. Go ahead, Perry. Uh, you know, you're absolutely right about a lot of what you're saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with you on all of this stuff. But I, I just, like I said, I, uh, I do feel sorry for people that do die from uh, these the sort of sure. Yeah, it's a tragedy. But, it's, however, a, it's a it's a personal tragedy, but, but it's not going to help those people to put them in a jail cell, right? That's not going yeah. to get them a better life. Hey, by the way, can you play a bumper song uh, by him? H I M. No. Uh, Don't feel the reaper. No, no it's can't. a great song though. But no, we can't uh, we can't do <laughs> can't take bumper requests on uh, on this show. By the way, they, you know, as far as like poisoning drinks and stuff, uh, I mean, GHB used to be the drug for that. That's something that is also an illegal drug. They used to call it the date rape drug, and that's uh, that is a concern that that people have. But the fact is, GHB is illegal as well. But yet, the people that want to do date raping can still get their GHB oh, yeah. and put it into people's drinks. Is, is that so, what a roofie is? GHB. Oh, is that the same? Well, well, there is a Maybe. there is a I don't know. a product that I saw on Shark Tank where this young lady invented this little cap type thing that uh, you know it, 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 it stretches and you could put it on a like if you're out um, you know like these college students and stuff like that you can put it over your cup and it, it can keep people from putting anything in your cup. And, uh, or just don't the, drink the, anymore at a public facility. Well, one of the one of the shark it fits around your it fits around your uh, wrist like a you know like a bracelet. But, I see. but anyhow, uh, or just keep your drink with you and that, you know don't leave it alone. Well, one of the sharks in, well one of the sharks invested uh, I don't know a hundred thousand or whatever it was wow. in, in in with this person so that it's, it's the product's out there. All right. Hey, thanks, Perry, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. The number, if you want to join the show, 603-283-6160. Always interesting to talk about uh, immigration. It's just such a an issue that gets people emotional, and they just don't understand. Yeah, I wonder uh, how many um, like, like actual immigrants he worked with. When I was in Colorado, you know, I used to be a little more like him until I worked with the guys in Colorado. Mm-hmm. And they those guys that were like these undocumented, illegally here, whatever— they were really like the best people I worked with out there. They're, they were good family men, and they had good morals, and they had good structures. They're the kind of people I want as my neighbor, and they're a good uh, foundation for society. we got more coming up here, 603-283-6160. You can join us on Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. third hour of the show you can join us here you can bring up anything you want to discuss the number is 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 here tonight it's ian and jay uh if we get the chance we'll get into your tiktok topic jay uh, we teased at the very beginning of the show, but the phones are lighting up here. We're going to go back to your phone calls and thoughts. People have opinions, surprise, surprise, about things like immigration. 
So we'll, uh, and, and we're also talking about drug prohibition as well. Uh, but let's go to the phones. And first up, we got Ernie calling us, listening to WGOW out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. He's in North Georgia. Go ahead, Ernie. Ernie in Georgia. Ernie going once. Stand by, Ernie. I don't know if we're having a technical uh, problem here with our phones. Let's try Derek in Nashville. Derek, are you with us? I am with you. We have you, All sir. Right. What's on your mind tonight? All right. So, um, so probably got about three topics, but uh, first off, Well, we may only have uh, time for one, so pick your most important one. All right. Um, well, if you can put me in touch with uh, Sheriff uh, Hathaway out of Santa Cruz County, that would be the most important thing. I think the best but, way to reach him would be to contact the sheriff's office down there. Yeah, I've done that multiple times. No response. Well, maybe um, you want to tell the people about this guy, why, why you're trying to contact him. Well, I'd like to make his uh, his book on immigration into an audio book. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've done about 30 libertarian uh, audio books um, over the last uh, 10 years, and I think his is one that would probably, you know, be very timely and very important um okay if you want to try uh, to send me an email i can uh forward it over to him i mean obviously i can't guarantee anything but i can definitely do that that sounds like a a worthy thing what would be your uh email it's ian at freetalklive.com how how does one easy all right yeah just send that over just uh, you know tell me what it's about and i'll get it over to him okay right on what else um so this, uh, my God, you know, Stuart Rhodes being convicted and um, sentenced to yeah. 18 years. I That's can't believe it. A death penalty for him, right? I mean, he's got to be coming up to 60 or somewhere around that range. And Ray yeah. Epps is not even being charged. <laughs> I, just, um, I mean, I'm, you know, my heart, honestly, uh, is just... Uh, you know, broken for him and you and Aria and yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, there's definitely a lot of uh, government tyranny going on out there. Stuart Rhodes. Uh, let's see here. I was just trying to see if we could figure out how old this guy is because he doesn't look like a, a young pup. I know he's not in his seventies or anything like that. Uh, I'm not really sure. Well, yeah. I, I I met him in person and uh, I brought him to uh, speak. Um, at a uh, seminar um, before the uh, Tenth Amendment Center, oh, okay. you know, quite a, quite a while ago, you know, nullifying now. Um, he is definitely not violent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's never advocated violence, and I just feel like he's being, wow, just railroaded. Yeah, the the amount of people that are going to jail that you know in this country that have uh, for these victimless crimes, where you know there's no injury, there's there's no one's legal rights have been uh, you know violated, there's no damage to property, is absolutely absurd. And uh, here in New Hampshire, uh, I you know in a couple of weeks, you know, my my wife's being charged with some nonsense, but when we're done with this, we're going to do a major push to uh, bring awareness to this, to how corrupt things are, and. Um, try to get something uh, done about these prosecutors who are maliciously prosecuting people constantly. It's just 
business as usual. I mean, in every little town in America, it is happening everywhere. It is a major epidemic. And there needs to be an awareness program of how evil and how rotten government is and and the kind of uh, stuff they're getting away with. And, uh, you know, um, because it's it's really getting bad. And, uh, you know, just literally all the stuff that is uh, mentioned, you know, in the Declaration of Independence is like happening times like a hundred or a thousand, you know, in, in this country. Yeah, it's absolutely. Insane. I mean, they, they had a, an in, they had, they declared independence over what it was a fraction of what was going yeah. on today. And they were willing to put their lives on the line right. over it. Anyway, Derek, thanks for uh, the call here tonight. I definitely appreciate hearing from you. Uh, the number, if you want to join the show is 603-283-6160. It looks like Stuart Rhodes was born in 1966. Are, so, are you familiar with the caller, Derek? That just came in. He said he did uh, libertarian audio no, books. I wanted no, to ask no. him about how to get a hold of his books, but well, if he uh, uh, if he emails me, I can forward it to you too, if you're interested in that. Uh, looks like he is 56 or 57 years old right now. So you know, add another 15 years to that, and you're looking at he might be getting out of jail when he's about 70 years old. Yeah. So not quite a death sentence, but near to it. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. Let's go to this caller. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. You can call me in the butt, Ian. And just answering the uh, legal questions that uh, brought up uh, by Sarah and yourself in your conversation last night that did not uh, get answered. Oh, did you want to talk uh, to Sarah? Per- sure. All right, here she is. Sarah, you're on with uh, <laughs> now calling himself in the butt. Uh, they're from New Mexico. Go ahead. Dude in the butt. Oh, hey, Sarah, yes. how's it going? Hey, did you know that we're going to double? We're going to double the number of uh, speeding cameras. Sarah, hold on. Before you get to the reason you're calling, I think our other caller wanted to talk to you about some sort of legal question you had. What was that? Well, it was actually, uh, Ian, it was, the questions were more coming from you based on what Sarah information Sarah had given you. Uh, one that you probably remember is you had a discussion about the left turn arrows and people running them. And the, the, that actually started, I noticed it like, I don't know, I'm just going to say 10 years ago that it was happening more and more. And, and the way I assessed it is um, it's pretty cool. Actually, the, if you're sitting at an intersection and the, and the, the turn arrow is going and people are, are going through it, there might be, let's say eight, 10, 12 cars wanting to turn and only about maybe the first, first four got to make their turn before the, the, the arrow turned yellow and then mm-hmm. red. And, and people got frustrated with that because it's not really the traffic engineers, unless they had a different idea in mind, don't seem to be paying attention to parity because you get all kinds of cars that get to go forward through a green light. And then, then only four cars get to make a left uh, turn doesn't seem mm-hmm. fair. And so the citizens uh, appear to have taken it upon themselves where the fifth and sixth and seventh cars say the hell with it. I'm making my turn even if the arrow's red. Wow. And then the other the other citizens that have to wait for them, whereas before ten years ago they might honk at them or give them the finger or whatever, mm-hmm. they started understanding that they started understanding that, hey, these things don't work and we're gonna design our own citizen design system where everybody in the left turn lane gets to make their turn after <laughs> the arrow turns red wow. and nobody's gonna complain about it. That's amazing. Well, you know, I'm complaining about it because I have to walk. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're here for me. I'm com- I'm complaining about it. You don't drive, um, right, Sarah? No. 
she's she's upset because she just can't be bothered to actually look before she steps out in front of a of a car no i lost four seconds waiting for four cars oh four seconds and then then i run out of time and they get angry with me because the car wants to turn a right behind me but you know what i'm gonna get even with you we're gonna have 34 speeding cameras now we're going to double the number of, uh, we had 17 speeding cameras. We're going to double it, so it comes up to 34. So you're Aren't you excited? Doesn't that of excite you, David? That, that's going to increase the cost of your Uber Eats, I guarantee it. All these speeding Does she order Uber Eats? I don't know, but you know, so many people do that don't drive because you know, they order that's food a good to point, go. Yeah. Whatever, whatever no, your, I, I don't know. It doesn't matter I what the cost is. It. She'll have the taxpayers pay, pay for it for her. Well, I take the Z. I walk. I ride the bus. The bus is also free, and it's working out really well. Did you have anything else for uh, for Sarah, David? I think we're running out of steam here. Well, yeah, it can be for both of you. Another another thing that came to mind during that discussion was that another um, aspect of the traffic enforcement in New Mexico is that um, it happened to start uh, when APD was uh, short staffed by a couple hundred officers. You know, like I don't know, ten percent. 20% down and they, they had to stop enforcing traffic law or at least the, the, the ones that have the least consequences. They had to stop enforcing those to go do fight real crime. Hmm. And so the, the positive is you don't get hassled much by cops for traffic law in Albuquerque. The downside is that the, the crazy people did actually get a bit crazier as far as driving their cars in an unsafe manner. But that's another phenomenon that I, that has, uh, affected traffic and traffic law and traffic accidents in uh, Albuquerque. Good to know. Good call tonight, David. Thank you for uh, making that here. And thank you, Sarah, as well. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up absolutely anything that you want to discuss here on Free Talk Live. Uh, the number, again, 603-283-6160. So apparently, Jay, there was a study that was done recently about TikTok, which, of course, last I heard is the number one so-called social media app out there it is very very popular especially amongst younger people and you have expressed in recent weeks on the show some i think legitimate concerns over uh, the addictive capacity of these you know various different programs to get people hooked on uh, dopamine hits when it comes to getting on these platforms what uh, what did you learn recently so this is uh this youtube video uh, was on freedomsphoenix.com which is uh, one of my favorite news news aggregates uh there's just a lot of really uh good articles that are posted up there there's not really any nonsense there's no pop-up ads it's not an annoying website yeah yeah to deal with i really like it and um it, and it was basically a youtube video and it's by a guy named um uh, well, the YouTube video is called Ban It, Neuroscience of TikTok. And the YouTuber is Zachary Cortex. <clears throat> and I'm just going to kind of rattle from memory what he was talking about. But basically, the thing he was talking about is the part of the brain, uh, I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head, uh, that gets excited by TikTok mm-hmm. and, and internet devices and social media and that, those kind of uh, uh, interactions um, is the same part of the brain that's excited by sex drugs, violence, and also the same part of the brain that lights up in fits of rage that becomes Mm. stimulated during rage. rage. And what he's talking about is the frequency, he starts talking about the frequency frequency of use of TikTok because basically that there is like metadata where you can see how often people are, you know, using this. And I, 
I might have misquoted this, but I believe he said it was like seven to nine hours a day that American kids are on um, TikTok. Whoa. Uh, which is insane. And now, But in my own research, as part of my you know, lecture series on, you know, uh, investing in our posterity. I got a whole slideshow I'm uh, putting together. I'm hoping to premiere it at Pork Fest. We'll mm-hmm. see this court case thing we're doing, you know, put all that stuff on yep. hold. But uh, I, you know, I have a whole slideshow presentation uh, to, to um, it's, it's called Don't Let Your Babies Grow Up to Be Device Junkies. And I talk about uh, internet addiction and the developing brains and what happens to them and the science uh, when you let uh, under six-year-olds and as far as I'm concerned, under you know, prepubescent boys, even, you know, this stuff's wrecking them too. Uh, yeah. But anyways, uh, and in my studies, I found studies in 2016 that said the average uh, basically teenager in the United States is is on an internet device seven to nine hours a day. That's and, crazy. I, how do you even have time for that? Well, if you're like <laughs> a, well, so if you're a teenage, you know, if you're a 13 year old, it's illegal for you to go get a job. Right. You know, a lot of these kids are, and, and the thing is, is moms and dads have been using these internet devices right along as pacifiers and babysitters. So a lot of these kids that are teenagers, you know, now, or, or this was, you know, seven years ago, this one particular study said seven to nine hours a day. Now, that, I don't know if that's like your average kid or if that's your average internet using kid. Well, I mean, um, what kids aren't on the internet these days besides your kids? I mean, there's uh, there's a lot of no. Uh, there's there's a, there's a lot of kids I'm meeting that are are not on really? the internet. Yes, I'm surprised. There, by there's that. a movement happening. Like I, you know, um, like for example, there's a 22 year old kid that I did some equipment repair work with the other mm-hmm. day. Good looking kid, um, fit guy, smart. And I'm like, dude, you got a girlfriend? He's like, nah. He goes, all the girls my age are all on TikTok and uh. Snapchat and all this. And he goes, I'm not. He goes, they're all mentally damaged. You know, because they're on on, on these. Um, he just started telling me this wow. stuff. Like we hadn't had a conversation about any of this stuff. I've been you know researching. Right. And he just came out with this on his own. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa. And I'm like, I was like so relieved that this guy was like on top of it. Right. right. Um, but he's also a fitness guy, and he understands like you know, and he's and he, and he studies some psychology, you know, um, in in college. But anyways, um, uh, so so this. Seven to nine hours, and I'm pretty sure that's what he said in here, but that certainly lined up with some studies uh, that I have studied. There was also a study from like 2018. I mean, if you think about it for a moment, presuming most of these kids are at government school, because most kids go to government school, uh, they're in there for, what, eight hours a day? Yep. And typically, if you're sleeping eight hours at night, maybe they're not, but if you're sleeping six or eight hours, that leaves you with eight more hours. I guess that literally is every moment that they're not at school or changing classes at school or on the bus. Basically, every waking moment they have besides sitting in a class, if they're not allowed on their phones in class, they're on the phone is what they're saying. So there is a way to just harvest this data. Uh, pretty easy because all these platforms have this metadata, so they know which mm-hmm. in, how much hours yeah, individual users are on them, and sure. allegedly that's where this came from. Hmm. So, anyways, in this um, YouTube video, I you know it's a YouTube video, it's a ten minute YouTube video, so it's not horrible. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's you know he unless you he, have uh, attention deficit disorder, and then ten minutes is and, like and most people eight minutes do. too long. I, I call it the TikTok generation. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, like a lot of, a lot of these young kids have very little attention span. And you know me, I'm like kind of a long winded discussion when you talk to me. Mm-hmm. And I notice a lot of a lot of young kids can't follow me. They can't hang with sure with the my checking con- out, getting right, on the phone. At, at, yes. Well, I just just in general, they're just like they just can't you know absorb it. Um, <clears throat> so. The frequency of use that uh, of of TikTok, for example, this you know you just swipe up for the thing you don't like. Mm-hmm. Now, when when you and I were little kids and we were flipping through the channels on the TV, 
Yep. You know, we couldn't just pick the thing that, you know, stimulated our brain that, you know, essentially, you know, got our whatever, yep. you know, excited. Uh, today, the kids can pick it, um, especially if yeah, they have an trains, internet device. It trains the algorithm yes. and then it gives so, you more of that. So it's constant stimulation right. of this part of the brain that is, you know, the drug addict part, the addiction part of the brain. It is like a major case for addiction. If you are listening to me and you are a grandparent, if you are a mother or a father, or, or you plan to be someday, you should really pay attention to some of this stuff. You should check mm-hmm. out this, uh, you know, I forget the YouTuber's name again, but Ban It, Neuroscience of TikTok is the YouTube video. Ban It? Ban It, question mark. Oh, Neuroscience okay. of TikTok is a YouTube video. Now, you don't want um, to ban it, do you, Jay? No, I don't, okay. well, I don't want government having that uh, uh, ability. I'm not about banning it. Uh, but... You know, uh, one of my good friends says to me all the time, if you don't govern yourself, someone else will govern mm-hmm. you. So the thing is, is we have to teach our our, our, our our posterity how to govern themselves. This is so important. Uh, the YouTuber is Zachary Cortex, like frontal cortex. All right, hold and, the thought here. I want to go to the phones here. Let's talk to this caller. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hello, caller going once. Going twice. We may be having some technical difficulties. That's two calls tonight. I'm gonna put this caller back on hold. We'll we'll check in with you here uh, in the uh, the bottom of the hour and see if we can get you back on. All right. So what else do we need to know about this? So in this video, this guy explains all of the parts of the brain that get stimulated. He gets uh, you know with the internet devices. He explains Mm -hmm. how these dopamine uh, loops get made. And he references uh, like three or four different studies, at least. Yep, there's been a lot of them on this. And, um, and and this is getting like no corporate, you know, mainstream coverage at all because, hmm. well, you know, TikTok wants you, wants your attention. Sure. Uh, you, the most, probably the most valuable thing uh, that, that a lot of people have uh, in the world is their attention. You yep. start thinking about that. So <clears throat> when your children are young and they're developing an attention span and you're letting them use TikTok for these 15 to 20 second you know, oh, yeah. dopamine hit videos and then something shows up that they're not interested in and they can just wave it by. Yep. I mean, you know, so like children of today basically don't have don't know what it's like to agonize over the stupid song that you can't stand on the radio while you get right. <laughs> you remember that? Oh, this song's horrible. Why are they you playing? You can always punch out to a different station. Well, maybe, you know, but like if you're like parents are listening to the radio in a car, for yeah. example, like, you know, you had, I, I had to listen to, you know, talk radio when I was a kid and I mm-hmm. sort of resented it a little bit. You know, I kind of wanted to listen to right. some kind little of Little did you know you would end up being a talk show yeah, host. Yeah, that's true. And uh, so, but anyways... Uh, but today, like, for example, the kids all have their own device in the car half the time driving sure. around when you're in traffic, see them going down the road. They got the TV and the headset up, you know, in, up oh, on the yeah. front seat. So anyways, the thing is, is we are creating a society of drug addicts, of addicts. And the mm-hmm. addict is is the dopamine, is, 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 is the internet device. And I believe that people are literally becoming slaves to the algorithm. I am convinced that whoever the algorithm picks for president is who the algorithmic slaves are going to vote for. Mm. And so it's going to be real funny when we're sitting here in a couple of years. I'm like, I told you Joe Biden was going to win because the al- algorithm said. And uh, that would be hopefully wake up a whole bunch of people and it'd be like, what is wrong when you have, you know, especially. But they won't connect Joe Biden winning to TikTok. They're not going to say, it, oh, well, it's, it's not because- just TikTok. It's all of it. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's Google. It's Facebook. It's Meta. It's YouTube. It's it's the algorithm in general and you know these people who control these algorithms you know they you know that control tiktok like like tiktok could quite literally be like you know one of the 
um, most efficient weapons of war that China is using on the American people. And I don't want, I don't believe it's actually China. I believe mm-hmm. it's the World Economic Forum, you know, the, um, you know, the Gates Foundation, you know, the Clintons, just, just all, mm-hmm. just, just all of Jeffrey Epstein's buddies, you know, all these guys um, that, you know, are just been these career politicians and, and they've amassed all the powers, the international banking cartels, you know, whoever it is. And, um, <clears throat> but, you know, the, the thing is, is TikTok is destroying our children. Social media is destroying our children. And when kids uh, grow up and this is how they're introduced to life, that you know, this is all they see is through the, through the lens of an internet device. I don't care what it is, um, what social you know, media thing it, 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 it is. These young brains are being morphed to basically be controlled by these devices. And, like, and, and you know, there's so many young people, they don't want to talk to anybody, mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. in the cities. And uh, and now the problem is is we have high speed internet everywhere. Well, plus and- there's there uh, we're talking about the free free range kids on this show. They've been taught by their parents that it's bad to talk to people, right? You go oh, stranger danger. They were even talking about that back in the the eighties and the nineties. Uh, that, oh, so that was abducted. definitely a, a propaganda you know campaign back in the day. You yeah. know, um, and I don't know when you say free range, I think of like Dana Martin. I don't know if you remember who Dana Martin yeah, is. Yeah, I remember Dana Martin. Um, so like though so. So, so that kind of like free range parents, not like telling people that like, you know, strangers are bad. Um, but yeah, there definitely is, you know, uh, you know, a lot of that element, but, uh, though, and, and, and what's far worse than any stranger is TikTok is these internet devices is, you know, the algorithm reprogramming, uh, you know, our young kid rewiring the brains. Like it's like a computer program that's blank and it's, and it's, and it's learning and it's being programmed now by the algorithm instead of living, breathing grandmas, and grandpas, and uncles, and whoever. We're going to continue here. If you want to weigh in, the number is 603-283-6160. And, it's, and your point here is it's not, not just about TikTok. That just happens to be the number one it's all of them. culprit. Yeah, it's the whole social media apparatus. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You can join the show. Share your thoughts here on Free Talk Live. we got more coming up. time for you if you want to join the show just dial us up here at 603-283-6160 that's 603-283-6160 here tonight it's ian and jay talking about addiction to social media of course tiktok is the number one social media platform at the moment you know, there's a lot of talk at the federal and some state government levels about potentially banning TikTok as though that's going to solve the problem. Yeah, I mean, just it's just a VPN away from accessing TikTok. That's not going to do anything. And well, here's plus the thing. it's the other ones, too, is what you were pointing out. And, and, and right? yeah, it is the other ones. And here's the thing. Parents need to start taking responsibility for their kids. Yeah, the government it, isn't going to be able to solve this. You know, this is the bottom line. But the problem is, is... Like half the parents, my you guys my age, forty three years old, they can't stop looking at their phones either. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. you know, especially. And even like when I was in Colorado years ago, I worked with a whole bunch of guys that were you know from you know sixty to you know twenty, and pretty much everyone that had a smartphone was like you know just 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 so happy to you know share a video with everyone else and looking at all this. You know, they're just looking at them a lot, but especially the younger kids are having a tough time getting away from it. And it's uh, it's addictive. And, and also, no oh, another thing that this got into, I forgot to bring up, uh, was the amount of like uh, anxiety, uh, levels of depression, 
by just eliminating the um, uh, TikTok or the internet devices, mm-hmm. like this stuff just goes it helps away. People, it goes yeah. it goes away. Like, but it's like the kids are very resistant. And another thing I'm noticing too is that I've observed myself is these kids that I know that use internet devices that are young teenagers. So they're going to bed with their internet devices. Their internet devices, they're on them all night long. Yep. And literally, these kids look like. You know, my high school girlfriend after she went to a rave the next morning is is what they look like to me. You know how like people got the bags depleted. under their, yeah, they just yeah. look depleted. They look pale, and uh, you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a lot of science behind this too. I want to continue with the discussion here, but also let you know about Mark Warden, who is with Porcupine Real Estate. They do amazing work up here in New Hampshire. If you've heard about the migration of freedom-loving people coming here to New Hampshire and you're thinking about learning more, well, you can sign up for their seminars, uh, their webinars, I guess, over at uh, move.freetalklive.com. They're going to cover different topics, gun freedom, medical freedom, political freedom victories, best practices for moving to the free state, and, of course, finding housing and probably some more stuff that I don't even know about. Uh, go to move.freetalklive.com. That takes you over to the Porcupine Real Estate sign-up site. It's completely free to get registered and attend these webinars. If you want to see what they've already done, you can visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, and you can watch their past presentations there. There are uh, people who have Porcupine Real Estate is staffed by people who've moved here mostly. I think almost all of their their people are free staters. I'm pretty sure they all are. They're people who, uh, you know, they know the community here. They know the uh, the ground as far as uh, real estate opportunities. These are the these are great people to talk to about you know what it's like to live here. So go to move.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the upcoming webinars there. As we go to the phones to your calls and thoughts, Conejo is on the line in FEMA Region 13. Conejo, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey guys. Hey. Um, I just wanted to say that I think you're on fire tonight. It's been a great show. I don't want to break the flow, but Jay, I have a suggestion for you. But first, I want to say that we've met a few times, once in person, other platforms, different aliases. Okay. And I'm a- a big fan of yours and Ian, same. And I echo the sentiments of the earlier caller. Um, well, thank you. When, and and uh, for anyone who, who would like, uh, th- there are still possibility to write letters to the judge in the Crypto 6 case. You can go to letters.freetalklive.com. My sentencing has been delayed until July 17th. And uh, so we have more time. So if you've been putting it off, if you've been thinking about doing it, if I've had any kind of a positive effect on your life, and you want to express that to the judge, you can do that. And there's some instructions and a mailing address and some ideas there for you at letters.freetalklive.com. So what else were you calling about tonight, Conejo? Letters.freetalk.com. Freetalklive.com. Letters.freetalklive.com. Letters.freetalklive.com. Yep. Actually, when you got raided, I, I donated a thousand bucks in Monero to rebuild the studio. Oh wow! Um, Thank you. Yeah, huge fan. Thank you. I appreciate. Yeah, it. I was just calling. Uh, I, I'm. I remember you back from the like Bitcoin. I think Pizza Days, maybe even that far back on the Free Talk Live show or network. Well, Bitcoin Pizza Day happens every year. I mean, that was three days ago. Oh, I'm talking about the like when you very first started talking about it as a news segment. Oh, okay. So that's a yeah, long time I think time my ago, first then. time on Free Talk Live was actually at uh, a pork fest, mm-hmm. and we had talked about it was um, <clears throat> we were up at pork fest, and the uh, we got the notice uh, the Friday of pork fest. Somebody calls me, hey, they're going to come kick you out of your house on Monday. They're removing you, right? I, I believe that's what it really? was. 
And then we did, so I got on, I, I, uh, you know, sat there at the picnic table with you and Mark and we talked about it, you know, you're doing, oh no, you're up in the media room. We did the mm-hmm. show. I did the show in the media room with you. Um, I don't, what was that? 2011, 2012, maybe something like that. But yeah. yeah so I, you know, that was my first time on free talk live. Wow. I believe. Long time ago. All right. Can what else? Well, however long it was, um, I did notice your absence. It's good to hear you're back. You drop in occasionally. Um, what I was calling about was you've got your, are you doing the, you're doing some sort of uh, club for young boys and men? Well, or no? what I'm doing, what I, so what I, my, I call my homeschool program uh, curriculum man camp. And, but it's uh, open to anybody. Okay. But it's open to anybody because a, a, a man is a man and a woman is just a man with a womb. <laughs> and uh, womb man is where the <laughs> etymology of the word woman comes from. You know, it's just pretty simple. But the idea with man camp is to build confidence in mankind. It, it, I mean, you just have no idea until you witness this yourself or you do it yourself. And also, I want to encourage anyone to host their own kind of man camp with whatever skill they are. Carpenter auto repair, blacksmith, you know, mason, whatever. Find some find some kids in a neighborhood that want something to do and give them something to do. The younger, the better. And uh, But when you take a six-year-old and he literally, you give him a piece of two-foot-long by quarter-inch steel rod and you show him how to heat it up in that forge and make it into a coat hook on that anvil with a hammer and how to cut it and how to flatten the end and punch a hole through it so you can bring it home and stick it on a wall. And, you know, a six-year-old can make this thing because it's you know it's 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 easy to do i you know got some light hammers for the little kids you know and it's really good to have their parent right there with them and all the reports i've gotten from the parents and the kids who have done man camp is that their confidence soars and they are like so proud of this thing they made and my purpose for this is people who have confidence will develop competence and it is competent people that make the world go round. It is competent people that get things done. And guess what else competent people don't need? They don't need government. It is the people who lack competence and lack confidence that beg for government. And right. it is the sociopaths of the world who want government as a platform to, uh, you know, be sociopath- sociopaths from and psychopaths. So people can yeah. uh, help you do man camp at the upcoming Porcupine Freedom Festival by going to your website, jnoon, that's J-A-Y-N-O-O-N-E.com, and you've got some crypto links there yep. uh, that people can contribute towards getting the parts and hiring prof- professionals to yep. help out with man camp. Yeah, our year, goal right? is $5,000. We are a actually... A couple weeks, uh, when I first got the $2,500 donation, we were over halfway, but now the crypto prices have fallen a little bit. We're under it, just a little under mm-hmm. halfway to our goal. And I'm only able to really accept crypto uh, because I don't, you know, I don't have a bank account. I don't do any of this other stuff. Right. So this is just a real good, you know, experiment to see what happens. Um, even if I don't get any more donations, we, like I said, we basically got to halfway there so far. My goal was June 1st because I need a couple weeks to order some uh, equipment and stuff. And I've already bought some equipment. But we'll have a small setup if, if we only got this far. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's important to to start teaching work to kids as young as possible. It really is. Yeah. So there you go, Conejo. Yeah, Anything I'm else you want? Trades. Yeah. Well, the, the idea I was calling about is I – well, at least as of a, a year and a half ago, and I actually we, – we, ch- we talked over uh, sausage burgers. <laughs> Uh, I think you might have a significant other. If you do, I'm drunk, so sorry. 
Sorry. If you do, I think it'd be a great thing to have like an analog organization spun off by your spouse, your or your significant other. We do. Or, we actually do. So here's hmm. what. So so here's oh. what my wife does. Um. So we have a you know a toddler essentially like homeschool co-op. So because my kids are a little over three and a little under two. Um, basically all of my activities, all of my recreation, everything that I essentially do in time that I'm either not working, sleeping, or, you know, fighting a court case is with my kids. All my farming is at a level to where I can do it all with my kids. All of our gardening, gardening is at a level. We can do pretty much all of it with the kids, mm-hmm. raising, uh, the pigs, the chickens, the cows, you know, there's certain things the kids can't help me like, you know, handle the cows really, but they feed them every day. They go, you know, my kids pick grass every day. They rip up grass, they put it in wagons, and then they walk it over to the cows and they feed it to the cows through the fence. So we have a one day a week uh, homeschool co-op where we have, you know, uh, you know, it's like six or seven moms are coming uh, with, you know, some of them got one kids, a couple of them have four kids. We had like 24 kids at the house the other day that were helping out with the garden Um, We've been planting plants. We've been putting, you know, uh, gathering rocks up to put on top of the uh, garden felt paper to keep, you know, our anti-weed paper. Um, They all did that the other day. I get them, uh, um, you know, uh, and actually a bunch of the kids been uh, when they come, uh, I go do some chores with the uh, backhoe and the kids love riding on the backhoe with me. And, you know, I got them, you know, steering it and using the hydraulics, you know, and operating stuff. And, And they just they think it's a blast. And. Um, so yes, my wife is, uh, you know, she's doing this and she's like doing a great job and it's a lot of fun. And the thing is, is these, uh, most of the families that are coming uh, to our place, they live in, uh, apartments or houses in the Hmm. city. They don't really have gardens or rooms or chickens, but so they're all getting to pick, uh, pick at, collect eggs, feed the chickens, clean out the stock trailer, um, we don't have any pigs right at the moment, but there's just so much Some good experience. Yeah. And just sure. doing all kinds of stuff. I went out actually to, uh, uh a local, uh, mom and pop, uh, uh, hardware store. They're going out of business and I bought mm-hmm. like all of the small little like kids shovels and tools. The guy just, I told him what I was doing. He's like, <laughs> he's like I'm going to give them to you for 50% off if um. my boss lets me, you know? So he's, <laughs> he comes back. He's you just, you can have them for 50% off. That's so sweet. yeah, it was really awesome. Cause little kid tools, you know, they're like 11, $12 a tool. Yeah, right. And I, you know, so I want to have like enough of these for all the kids to use that are using little yeah, rakes and shovels left out. And, um, and yeah, so, so my, yeah, my wife's been right on top of this. I mean, you know, my three-year-old is counting in Spanish. Because she go because wow. we go to a, she, they went to a Spanish class for you know six cool. weeks. Uh, Canejo, you get to meet these guys. Are you, coming, are you coming up to the Porcupine Freedom Festival this year? I, I'm trying. I could give you a whole segment on how I'm getting screwed over right now by the state I live in. Um, I tried yeah. to start a business, and they're they're claiming I owe a bunch of income that I didn't even make a dime oh, on. Man. They just guesstimated. Yeah, Damn. but I'm hoping. Get to New Hampshire and start a business. Don't ask the government per, for permission because I don't know what your business is or your skill. But if there's a marketplace for it, um, you know, let's exercise this uh, alternative parallel economy. That's what we really need to start yeah, to build. Yeah, we need to build that for and if, sure. if you're into that kind of stuff, New Hampshire is really a place to do that. We can, you know, exchange in crypto, gold backs, you know, meat. Uh, whatever. It's just it's and it's so much fun doing oh, yeah. business with those kind of people too. <laughs> no doubt. Thank you, Conejo, for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. Let's go to Cadu on the line in Connecticut. Cadu, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Jay. Hey, I wanted to talk about David in New Mexico. Okay. And uh, 
the reason I don't want to pigeonhole David in New Mexico as a grouch is because when he calls and he's in a decent mood, I think he's one of the best and most likable callers. So I think before he calls in, he should just meditate on the fact that he's talking to friends because mm. you all have been every, everybody on the panel. Um, I mean, there've been spats, but everybody on the panel, I think has his best interests at heart. And he, if he could just meditate on that, he's talking to friends. His calls are great when he's in an okay mood. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Uh, he tends to range from being really informative and interesting to hostile and and yeah, rude. So yeah. it just depends. I, I suspect there's things going on in his life, and you know that could be translating. But I think your advice is good advice, could do. And that's not just advice for David in New Mexico, but it's it, good advice for anybody to just take some time uh, to meditate, to you know, be with the universe or whatever, however you want to call it. Uh, there's, there's actually apps for this now, <laughs> you know, considering people have a tough time getting off their phone. You can actually use your phone in the process of meditation, which might be a good way to get away from the phone. Ironically enough, uh, you can have these yeah, guided meditations. That, yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Sure. Right. The meditation apps. And, uh, because I think that you guys have been good to him, and I think you have benefited him, so he should uh, look at that angle. Well, that's a nice way to look at things, could do. It's uh, certainly always good to look on the bright side and stay positive. And uh, anything else you want to share here tonight? No, that's it. I appreciate the call. The number here, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. You know, meditation is something that anybody can uh, benefit from. You can do it in as little as 10 minutes uh, a day. It's not something that has to take a huge amount of time out of your schedule. Obviously, you can go for 20, 30, an hour or whatever, uh, depending on what you want to put into it. But getting some time alone, getting some time to yourself where you're not having a device in front of you or having to be distracted by other things is, is an interesting way to uh, possibly get some new ideas and to calm whatever it is you need to calm. There's all kinds of different benefits from meditation. And I, I say that as a novice. I mean, I'm somebody who's been on and off a uh, practicer of meditation over the last roughly 10, 15 years of my life. I wouldn't call myself, you know, advanced or, or anything like that. But I, I, I think it's benefited me. So no comments on that one. <laughs> oh, Are you oh, meditating right now? Oh, no, no, I was, I, I was waiting for the caller to comment. No, he's gone. He's gone. No, no, I, I was just thinking like, I, I you know, I kind of don't really do meditation, but you know, you don't have a lot of time. Well, right? almost like, you know, uh, but meditation for me was, you know, I got up like real early this morning and mm -hmm. I, you know, I just needed to do a bunch of backhoe, uh, you know, I, you could I do working clean. meditation. Yeah. So I'm, I was just in, you know, like I, I left the phone in the house and you get I, in the zone, you know, I didn't even turn the radio on yeah. and I just, you know, I just was. You know, I was cleaning out a cow pen because we, you know, mm -hmm. I moved some cows around. I, you know, I'm making compost, a stack of compost pile, and just, you know, pick. You know, I spent like you know a couple hours in the backhoe. You know, no kids, no no phone, no right, nothing. no distractions, and, and just uh, you and your, you know, yeah. And and another boss. thing that's been some good meditation is when I'm out putting up the electric fence for the pigs. Or um, that was one thing when I had the pigs on like a two acre forest spot. I would just take and just walk it every single day. Hmm. Because you got to go look at the fence, make sure it's not yep. down, and you know your pigs are going to be in your neighbor's garden or something. Yeah, that's a problem. And um, so I would take the fence and walk it, you know, like almost every day, especially the first couple of you know first week that they're out there, but a minimum, you know, every two days, and um, fix it a little bit or whatever, you know, and, and 
that, that yeah, I, I definitely do do some meditation. But yeah, yeah, for sure. It's important. Uh, let's continue here. We got Rob on the line, and there are walking meditations as well. Rob, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yes. I, I just wanted to say to Jay that I'm going to do everything I can to be at that hearing. You know, because... Uh, June 1st. You're you know, talking about his trial? You, I don't know. You're talking about Jay's wife's trial, which is coming up June 1st? Yeah, okay. exactly. You know, because... Uh, you know, the people that are doing this, okay, are sick and disgusting. Yeah, the is, prosecutors, you mean? Well, like the police. Yes, yes yep. DCYF. It, there's the very gang. much discontent for these people. Yeah, I hope there's a large turnout. It's going to be bright and early, uh, 815, if I recall correctly. Yep, it's Concord District Court. So if you're if you're in New England and you want to see an interesting, uh, I would call it an interesting show. Because, I mean, anytime Jay's in front of a judge, it, uh, it can be interesting. In this case, you're not the person on trial, though, Jay. You're going to be nope. up there uh, accompanying your wife, who's the one that's facing the uh, charge of, quote-unquote, child endangerment for yep. leaving her two-year-old, I think, in a car with climate control on, strapped into a car seat. For no more than 15 minutes a couple of years ago or a year ago or whatever yeah yeah it was yeah it was uh march of last year march 18th i think was yeah. the day and uh well you know it's an interesting thing is even in the in the, in the uh, police narratives the the police officer is like officer partner of mine and i uh i uh, looked at the kids and they appeared to be well taken care of and clean or something i can't remember it all but like and uh it, and so you'll get they, to ask yeah, them about oh yeah that. They, they were comfortable um, you know, I could see the car was running. I could mm-hmm. see a little plastic bag that was on the seat blowing. So I knew the air conditioning was on and I knocked on the window and it woke the young and it woke the juvenile up <laughs> and, uh, but the juvenile appeared to be happy. And, uh, the mother looks like she can take care of her children mm-hmm. is basically what the, uh, cop had to say. And is like, and, and, and it's just like, uh, case closed essentially. <laughs> you know? And it's like, it's like, did the prosecutor actually read, I don't know, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and this narrative statement, it's like an application for warrant hmm. is basically what it, I meant to actually bring it with me tonight, but I was just, you know, you know, my, my brain was mushed by the time I, you know, got to head how, down. How here is that an application for a warrant? Uh, I, I could bring up the PDF and but it's basically, that's what it is, is this uh, thing is an application essentially for a warrant it basically to what? break into the car and no take to uh, a, a, a warrant to arrest my wife it was when they put an arrest warrant out for her i just i don't yeah. understand how someone who wrote that document right. could then go on to apply for a warrant well that in that that's what he says in the document asking for the warrant because these guys are political pawns you know the, because the police are being used by the people above them mm-hmm. their superiors to literally commit crimes against malicious prosecution against people who whoever they want mm-hmm. and, and you know and and what's really interesting about this particular case it is so inconsistently applied because there are a lot of people who have uh you know their car, kid was in the car while they went and did something for a, a you know a short time or whatever and you know that well, how much time is too long? I mean, I don't know how you figure that out. But anyways, there's so many people that, you know, the cops get called on them and the cops come there and they're like, uh, what's going on? Oh, yeah. OK, somebody called. We had to respond. And then they just leave. Sure. Yeah, and, and it was the same thing. People write from Concord, the same police, Concord, New Hampshire police uh, department. We talked to people that literally were like, oh, yeah, I, my kids are in the car while I was in the store. And the cop was basically like, oh, we got a report. It's not against the law. And it's not against the law. There mm-hmm. is no law, you know, against leaving your kids in the car. And the thing is, too, is like 
you know, anybody who, you know, is of a, everybody remembers being in the car while their mom runs in the store or whatever. Like everybody's done it. This is like, you know, sure. so, uh, something has happened, but just the, just the, um, the blatant, you know, uh, malicious prosecution that's happening here. Just what do they have on, to prove for child endangerment? What is I, the actual, uh, you know, it's very vague. The law is very vague. So I did a motion to dismiss with the court. That was sort mm-hmm. of a weak motion to dismiss. I didn't really have it quite put together enough. They never um, work anyway, but and, um, doesn't hurt to try. Well, I've had them work before. Uh, and, and the real reason you want to do these motions to dismiss is to prepare everything for appeal because right. you want to just, you know, just stack everything in this appeals thing, object yep. to all the stuff they deny, you know, really get it out there. So I did a motion to dismiss um, to the court, and then the judge denies the motion to dismiss. Well, in this motion to dismiss that the judge did as an order, which you read mm-hmm. one night, Ian, um, you didn't read it on the air, you just read it to yourself. The judge cites four court cases on how the court has jurisdiction in this matter. Three of the court cases he cites are about uh, children that were injured, whether uh, so uh, two of the kid, two children died. And one children had, you know, broken bones or something had happened where the kid gotten busted up by like, Didn't you know, happen in this case. Uh, a, 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 a guy. And mm-hmm. then the fourth one they cited was U.S. versus Kritzner, which was a bank robbery. Um, so <laughs> so it's like they're like, okay. oh, yeah. yeah. And, and my whole purpose, my whole premise of jurisdiction is there's no injured party. Mm-hmm. There's no victim. Right. You know, there's no, no uh, damage. There's no contract violation. You know, it's all these things I get into. Right. And um and so anyways, uh, and, and it's pretty funny, the judge cites a bunch of cases that actually have a corpus delecti. Or a body of evidence. A body of evidence. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, an injured party. Uh, body of the crime is what corpus delecti stands for. But yeah, Rob, I appreciate your support. That'd be great. Um, it'd be nice to stuff that courthouse. Yeah, well, um, we've already, people have been writing letters. There's been some really uh, good letters written. Um, I don't know how many letters have been written. I just, are they going to you, and then you're going to turn them in? No, nope, they, they, these people are just mailing the letters. And the, but the uh, you know letter I had shared with you a little earlier, Ian, uh-huh. was uh, one that a friend had sent me. And um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it was a good letter. Uh, uh, do courts actually let those in in through the mail? I mean, is that a thing that you can do? So technically, from what I understand, you can literally send a letter to the judge uh-huh. referencing the court case and what's going on. And what'll happen is that the the letters to the judge they get given to the judge. Huh. Okay. You Interesting. Know. I did not know that was uh, was a thing. That's what I'm told. That's what I understand. Yeah. I mean, you know, it would be a violation of some kind of mail law or, you know, postal service thing if you, you know, interrupted, you know, delivering the mail to somebody. I just so, mean like when it yeah. gets to the court, if that actually makes it to the judge's desk. I hope it does. Rob, uh, hopefully we'll look forward to seeing you next week. I'm hoping to be there as well. I got to put in my schedule with probation. And yep. they've been letting me go to trials for recording things. So hopefully I'll be there with the camera. And Thank you. Remember that people, you're listening to Free Talk Live. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. I appreciate it, man. Out of time tonight. Back tomorrow. Online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. And check him out at jnoon. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. 
Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupine Real Estate.com